What's up, friends? Welcome back to episode 11 of the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast. It is a rainy but warm Tuesday night here, probably Wednesday morning or afternoon by the time you're listening to this. My name's Jack Bradley. I'm one of your hosts. On the left of my Zoom screen is my good friend Jordan Lobby. Jordan, how are we doing today? We're doing great. Uh, high school football, we just started practice. I'm coaching at the high school I teach at. Um, practice started yesterday, had our second one today. That went really well. Um, weather felt like a heat wave today. It's going to feel like an even bigger heat wave tomorrow. Uh, supposed to be high of 50, which I'm very excited about. But overall, great first week back at work. Things are going well, and we are thriving instead yes. of surviving. That's the motto for 2021. Shout out Eric Mauricio. Thrive. Oh. Don't survive. Uh, Just thrive, baby. Jordan, you mean Eric the Pizza Man, Mauricio. Oh, Eric That's the what Pizza you Man, mean. the Portuguese connoisseur, our He's good, on. dear friend. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Eric, if you're listening, shout out you guy. Um, we're going to open the podcast a little bit differently today because there was some breaking news just in the sports world. Tiger Woods uh, did get in a car accident uh, around 7.15 LA time. Um looked to be pretty serious. I think there was a point in time where they didn't really know what his condition was. Um, it's looking like he is conscious. He is awake. Uh, definitely some, some leg injuries. I'm not sure if it was one leg. It sounded like maybe both legs, but definitely some scary news um, out of LA. Jordan, I'm not sure if you've heard anything. I, I don't really watch TV much all day. And then I get home from work and I almost felt like hope, like when Kobe died, almost like just kind of the coverage and everything that was going on there. I don't know if you saw anything about it. Yeah, I just saw a bunch of tweets go live. Um, I didn't have the chance to turn on ESPN um, when I got home because, you know, we have a podcast that we record yeah. every Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but from what I saw is that he was on his way to a Fox studio or some undisclosed location, and he was going to do um, some golf stuff with Justin Herbert, Drew Brees, David Spade, like you mentioned to me earlier. So he was going to do a segment um, with them. And that's where he was going uh, when the crash happened. Um, I think it was a he was the only car that got involved in the accident. It was a rollover, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, yep. I, I it just sucks to hear. Like that's just something you never wish upon anybody. Um, and to see it happen to a guy like Tiger, who is one of the best golfers ever, and has really turned his life around over the past ten years, and finally got him back on the right track just shitty you know like there's no other way to put it but everything happened for a reason um he's gonna come back stronger he's gonna knowing tiger it, it'd be an unbelievable story that no matter the injury he comes back and golfs in another tour um i don't know the full extent if that's gonna be a reality or not we don't know everything about the injury yet um but once we get more details on that then that can start to become maybe start to become a thought but Knowing Tiger, no matter what, he's going to find some way somehow to recover from this and do something, whether it's golf, a new hobby, activism in some way, or just something. Tiger's going to figure out something to do because that's who he is um, as a person. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's a little too early to tell. I know he's had quite a few back surgeries too. Um, and at his age, I know golf's a little bit of a different sport, but um, it's going to be a little bit tough to come back, but hopefully, I mean, just right now, first and foremost, hoping, hoping that he's okay. Hoping that his, his family's doing all right. That's definitely a scary situation. And, and, uh, last I had heard uh, probably about an hour ago, he was conscious. He, he knew what was going on. So 
glad to hear that at least. And I'm sure, I'm sure more will come out. So just want to start out that way, just because we know how big Tiger is for the sports world and um, just how much of an icon he is. But um, speaking of icons, we are actually going to start in baseball uh, this week because uh, good, I, I don't want to say a fan of the podcast, friend of the podcast, we're a pro, pro Tatis podcast. We were talking about bat flips a couple episodes ago. I guess now's <laughs> the time. Fernando Tatis Jr., 14-year deal, $340 million deal with the San Diego Padres. He will be there until 2034, and Frank Gore will probably still be in the league at that point. But uh, just, Jordan, any immediate thoughts on that? Because we both saw that, and we were like, holy shit, this guy, like, we love him. We love the bat flips. We love what he's doing for baseball. But what are you, what are your thoughts on it? Cause I'm, ex- you can tell I'm excited about it. Um, I'm going to say one thing and that'll get into my point. When his contract is over, the Mets will still be paying Bobby Bonilla. Yes, that is true. Till 2035. Yeah. So, but uh, unbelievable. I don't think anyone is more deserving of a contract like that than Fernando Tatis. Um, he's 22 years old, 20, I want to say. Uh, he is 21. He will be 22. Yep. Soon so, enough. young kid, brings swag, brings energy. Actually, my Not, mistake. He is 22. You're right. He is 22. Okay. Um, recently turned 22. It doesn't just bring a new attitude to the sport of baseball. He also can bring in that old school mentality where baseball is a classic sport. You can be classy. And he also brings in the mentality of this is a dude sport. We're doing our thing. We got our mojo rolling. Let's bat flip. Let's holler in the field. Let's chirp from the dugout. Let's do everything we need to do to get in the other team's head and then go out and show out and crush home runs, smack in some guys from base, make crazy plays in the field. Say crazy he's, defense. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable love Tatis um he he makes baseball more enjoyable he does he does I mean look what he's done for the Padres so I mean I have his number so it's it's wild to think too he's only played in 143 career games now granted granted 2020 was a shortened season he did make it in 59 of those games so he pretty much did play a full season uh rookie year he did get hurt he didn't end up he still finished third in rookie of the year in just 84 games um last year did win the silver slugger fourth in the MVP race did fall off a little bit towards the end of the year which I don't want to say it's like a huge red flag because we all see what he can do. I mean, he had a not very good September and still Padres made the playoffs, won a series. Uh, he still finished fourth in the MVP race. Uh, in his 143 career games, he has a 301 batting average, 39 homers, 98 RBIs, 27 stolen bases, 111 runs. That's it's a pretty high number in 143 games. Uh, eight triples, uh, 24 doubles, 374 on base, 956 OPS. 582 slugging. He's firing on all cylinders. He's he's a guy you're going to have to watch out for for years. The Padres, I think I think they're going to win a World Series. Not I'm not saying this year, but I think they're going to win a World Series in the duration of his contract, the first in franchise history. I could definitely see that happening. I don't think it would surprise anybody with all the moves they're making. Yes, the Dodgers are showing that division. I'm not saying the Padres are going to go out and win it this year. Are they a contender? For sure. They're definitely in the top three or four in baseball with the Yankees, obviously the Dodgers, the Braves, you know, all those teams. I know the Mets are making moves, but um, just wow. And the Padres are not scared to spend money. Signed Manny Machado to a huge deal a few years back. Signed Eric Hosmer to a huge deal in 2017. So, And then the 2019 deal with Machado. So they are not afraid to spend money and go out and get good players. So shout out to the Padres, shout out to Tatis. But Jordan, this had me thinking, I think this had you thinking. Is Fernando Tatis Jr. the face of baseball? Not yet. 
not right now as of this moment. And I think any baseball fans and even non-baseball fans can all agree that Mike Trout is still the face of baseball. Um, he, if you want to make a Mount Rushmore baseball, Mike Trout's the first guy you think of. Of active um, players? Of active players, yes. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, it's all act- good. It's all good. He, he <laughs> might be up there by the time yeah. he retires. He, he, he very could be. well could be. I know some people already claim him as the best baseball player ever, just based on the pace he's on, what he does defensively, offensively, and just what he does for baseball. Um, So I know some people have already claimed him as that, especially with how much harder the game is today um, in all areas. Um, But it just, when you think of Tatis, like, you don't think anything bad about the guy, which is, I don't want to say is rare in baseball, but like, you, you can think of any player and be neutral. When you think of Tatis, you only think of good things and nothing neutral about the guy, which I think is great for an athlete to have. You know, like it's like Russell Wilson for football. Like no one's neutral about Russell R- Wilson. Everyone loves what Russell does for the sport of football and what he does for the community surrounding football. Tatis is the same for baseball. No one's neutral on it. So I think he's not the face of baseball yet. I think he will be. And how about this for a bold prediction? In that 13-year contract, the Padres will win not one, not two, but three World Series, and two of them will be back-to-back. Yeah, so I think that Tatis Jr., uh, definitely, I think think they're going to win one. I don't know about three, but I think baseball is one of the tougher sports to win a World Series in. Um, but that being said, I love it. I, I have nothing against the Padres. Maybe, you know, they'll turn into a team that everyone hates seeing win year after year and being in it. But, um, I know this kind of sparked the debate with her. So Jordan and I each have our top four current faces of baseball. I have a few honorable mentions as well. Um, I'm not going to say if I have Fernando Tatis in my top four, um, but you will see. So I guess let's start at one. Um, I think we're pretty similar on this one jordan we both have mike trout i i know you kind of just talked about him you want me to kind of go into mm-hmm. what i have because i have i have some stats I, I know stats isn't what makes you the face of baseball but um i think it's important to look at because he definitely is the best baseball player right now and has been for probably the last probably since he's gotten into the league yes I would agree. Um, yeah, go do your thing. So let's see. So he has the largest contract in baseball history by far. Fernando Tatis is, is third um, behind Mike Trout and another player who will be named later. But uh, 12 years, he signed a 12-year, $426.5 million deal, about $35.5 million average. So in his career, Mike Trout got into the league in 2012. He has led the league in runs scored four times, has had seven seasons over 100 plus, uh, led the league in RBIs in 2014, led the league in steals in 2012. Uh, led the league in walks three times. He's been over 104 times. Led the league in on-base percentage four times. 2016 through 2019 was the leader in that stat. Uh, led the league in slugging three times. He had four straight years of over 600 from 2017 to present. Four-time leader in OPS uh, between 2017 and 2019. He was over 1,000. And his career war is 1,000. Or not war, sorry. OPS is 1,000, which is just wild. His 162 career game averages, 122 runs, set 179 hits, 39 homers, 103 ribbies, 26 steals, 34 doubles, 108 walks, 304 batting average, 418 on base percentage. It's it's mind-boggling. He literally, it's and he's won three MVP awards. All right. He's finished in the top five. I have it written here. Nine straight times in the top five of the MVP voting. 
nine. And the, you know what his worst finish was? Was 2020 when he finished fifth. I feel like oh Mike Trout God. is just one of those guys. It's like, we don't have anyone to give the MVP to this year. Let's just give it to Mike Trout. Like yeah. it's legit. Like it, it almost seems like that. I, I mean, he could easily have six MVPs, just the numbers he's putting up. I think the one thing holding him back is just the angels only have one playoff appearance uh, in his, in his tenure there in 2014 got swept out of the, the uh, ALDS by the Royals. So I think that makes it tough um, to, for people to like put him like, substantially number one but i think he definitely is the face of baseball yeah i i would agree and i didn't even know all those stats that's crazy to hear um that side of it that he what one not only puts up insanely impressive numbers year over year but they're at the top of the league most of the time and even when he has an off year he's still top five top ten in the league like that's nuts to think about yeah, I mean, an off year for him is literally like, I mean, I'm just looking at it. I mean, I have his baseball reference page pulled in front of me right now. I mean, his average, I think his lowest average in a full season is 281. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, he did he did lead the league in strikeouts in 2014, but also won the MVP that year. Like, that led the league in RBIs and runs that same year. Um, let's see. I mean, his worst on-base percentage, 377. Uh, his worst OPS nine thirty nine and twenty forty, and that was the year he won an MVP. Like, I mean, Miggy won a triple crown, I think, in twenty twelve. Yeah, and that, and he finished second that year. Miggy had a great year in twenty thirteen. Again, he finished second. Mm-hmm. He beat out Mookie in twenty eighteen, uh, or twenty twenty sixteen. Sorry, but then twenty eighteen, Mookie beat him out. Like he's finished like in the top. He's an eight time Silver Slugger, eight time All Star. It's it's crazy what this guy's doing. He's not even thirty yet. He hasn't turned thirty till August. So August 7th. So it's wild. You, yeah. Go he's got it. another six, seven years left. <laughs> oh, at anything. least. At he'll least. probably play until he's like 38, 39. At least he's going to play his contract out. Yeah. I think he, yeah. I, I don't even know how many, I think he has the contract till 2032, I want to say. So, oh, really? Um, something nice. like that, 2031. Um, the other, the last stat I have on him, and then we can move on because I feel like we'll talk about Mike Trout enough throughout the season. So I, yes. I jumped a little bit ahead of myself. I got into war. So wins above replacement, basically how you measure replacement. You ready for this one, Jordan? Hit me, baby. He's, he's 29. He's not even 30 yet. He is 81st all-time in career war with 74.6. He is ahead of Reggie Jackson, Frank Thomas, Jim Tomey, Justin Verlander, future Hall of Famer, Derek Jeter, Barry Larkin, Miggy, Kurt Clayton Kershaw, Tony Gwynn, John Smoltz, and Ernie Banks. So other than Verlander, Miggy, and Kershaw, those guys aren't the Hall of Fame yet. They definitely will be. They're definitely first ballot Hall of Famers there. Yes. The rest of those guys, all Hall of Famers. And Mike Trout is only 29 years old and has a higher career war than all of them. So <laughs> just, just to put it in Yikes. perspective, it's, it's crazy. The, the individual level that he is on right now is just mm-hmm. ridiculous. Who do you got at number two? <laughs> number two, uh, this might be a surprise, but I have my reasons for it. Uh, Bryce Harper is my number two. Okay. Um, I think when I first started somewhat following baseball, I viewed this guy like, oh, he's a douchebag. Like, he's just another player in the league, like, which he kind of was early in his career. And now, like, he's still kind of the same, but he's a more mature douchebag, I want to say, where it's... it's Have you heard... Say? I was going to say, do you do you listen to Barstool at all? I don't. Go, no. go listen to when you get the chance. It happened when quarantine first started. He did like a two-hour interview with the, the Barstool at Carabas and uh, Dallas Braden. Mm-hmm. I, and I was kind of the same boat as you. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Harper to start. Listen to it. It is one of the best interviews I've ever heard with a player. He was on with them for like two hours. 
went through everything. So sorry, not to cut you off, but give oh, it a fine. listen if you, I mean, it was like two hours because it was during quarantine. Yeah. So no one had anything to do. But, yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I'll definitely give that a listen. But it, just like, if I could draw a comparison, he's like the popular kid in a class, like just a class in school. And let's say it's freshman year, the popular kid's kind of a dick to the kids that aren't as popular. And by senior year, he's boys with everyone, even the unpopular kids. That's how I feel about Bryce Harper in the sport of baseball, where he was a dick when he came in. And now he's just about the sport and about the players around him. He's still going to flare up. He's going to give shit to the uh, to the umpires. He's going to give shit to the other teams on the other side um, in the other dugout. But he is all about baseball first rather than about himself like he was or seemingly was at the beginning of his career. And he has the bat to back that up and the fielding ability. So that's why I have him at number two because I think he he's the one that really brought that like bad boy attitude to the MLB that they hadn't really seen yet until he got there. Yeah, he was um I like to make like the Zion or the LeBron comparison with him cuz he was he didn't even like go he like didn't go to his senior year of high school. If anyone doesn't know the story of Bryce Harper, definitely look it up cuz it's it's an interesting one. He basically just went straight to junior college after his junior year of high school and then like he wanted to go back to college or go back to high school. They were like, "No, you have to do this." Like he was and he was him and Trout came in the league the same year, 2012. And everyone was hyping Harper up and then all of a sudden this Mike Trout kid comes out of nowhere cuz no one really knew who Mike Trout was. Uh, at the time other than Angels fans so uh, yeah well we'll get into Harper a little bit later I, I may or may not have him on my list um, but uh, number two I have Mookie Betts uh, and this isn't my Red Sox bias I, I think Mookie Betts he has the second largest contract in MLB history behind Mike Trout 12 years 365 million dollars don't understand why the Red Sox couldn't have given him that but that's beyond the fact um, two-time World Series champion. So he definitely, unlike Trout, has those accolades right now. Uh, he's only 28 years old. He was first in jersey sales in 2020, which I think definitely shows something. I think that that definitely puts you up there. Uh, per 162 games, I mean, his stats are just as wild. Also has a 1,000 career OPS. So he's definitely up there. 196 hits he averages in a 162-game year. 126 runs. Uh, 30 homers, 97 ribbies. Again, 26 steals, same number as Trout as well. 304 batting average, 418 OBP. Averages 45 doubles a year. I think Fenway Park definitely helped him out with that, uh, just with the Green Monster and it being a right-handed batter. Uh, accolades he has finished in a 2018 uh, MVP and only played in 130 games too. So had a really good 2018 for that Red Sox team. Uh, top, uh, he had five top eight finishes in the MVP voting, finished second twice in 2020 and 16, four-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove, two-time Platinum Glove. He's a better defender than Mike Trout. I will give him that. He is one of the best defensive players in all of baseball and then has the playoff experience to go with it. 39 games, 159 at-bats, and like I said, two World Series titles and was arguably the best player. No, he didn't win a World Series MVP, but he was the best player throughout the years on both that 2018 Red Sox team and that 2020 Dodgers team. Yeah, Mookie is, again, like a very classic player, very exciting to watch. Um, totally understandable why you have him on your list of four. Um, and I'm not even saying that as a bias thing. Like Mookie yeah. Betts is top five right now in the MLB and has been for a while. I liked how you made a high school comparison with Bryce Harper too, because my comparison with Mookie, and I can't take credit for this again, Barstool Sports said this, but after when he was playing in the World Series, you could tell he was playing with some swag. He wasn't holding anything back. And uh, it was funny because they were like Mookie with the Red Sox and you kind of saw him in 2018, but for the most part, he was quiet. It was almost like he was that quiet high school kid, hung out with the dorky kids who just played video games all day, you know, chilled in on Friday evenings. 
And then he went to the Dodgers and it's like, he's in college now. He's talking to girls, he's drinking, he's, he's skipping class and he's, you know, he's getting bees now. And like, <laughs> but like it's working, like he's still having a great life. So it's like literally yes. the same comparison. So uh, still love me some Mookie. I know I miss him here in Boston. I wish we could have kept him, but he, he definitely is up there for yes. me for sure. Um, yeah. Who, who you got at three? I think out of three were in very similar. Yeah. I, I wanted to uh, throw a picture on here mm-hmm. and I, I was torn between between three guys, Justin Verlander for the length he's been in the league and how long he's dominating Clayton Kershaw, same sort of reasons, dominant pitcher all throughout his career. But the guy I went with this Jacob DeGrom and I know he's somewhat early in his career. He's actually uh, 32. He is 32. I didn't realize that till the other day either. I thought he was like 30, 29, 30, but he, yeah, he's 32. Well, he came into the league in 2014, so I didn't think he would be that yeah, old. Yeah, let me, let me find it. Keep, keep going. I'll, I'll find yeah. some, some stuff on him. But but he, even at his age, like his, his worst ERA was a 3.53, which is actually isn't terrible for starting. That's pitcher, really good. Obviously. Yeah, like it's, it, you compared to the rest of his career, he's unbelievable. I mean, 2018 with a 1.7, he's a two-time Cy Young winner, um, has one of the nastiest sliders in the MLB, um, nearly unhittable uh, when you see coming at you. And and it's not like he even throws it that much. I mean, he throws it 35% of the pitches, which is a good amount, but like there's pitchers that throw curveballs like 40% of their pitches, you know? so to see a slider be used that much when other pitchers are throwing crazier pitches than that, like just shows how he's changed the pace of pitching in a way and has transformed tendencies of pitchers. Um, and obviously one of the best clutch pitchers in the MLB also with guys in scoring position, how many people he leaves on base. He's just great pitcher all around. And when you think of staple pitching in the MLB and who's the best, DeGrom is always in the conversation Kershaw, for most people, is in the conversation. Some people will leave him out. Verlander, just for his longevity, is in the conversation. Yeah. Not everyone has him up there. Everyone I've talked to has DeGrom in their top two, top three. Most have him number one in some conversations. Pitchers, so- yeah, I, I think he's definitely right now the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, I didn't have him on my list. I, I have his numbers in front of me, though. I mean, they are ridiculous. He's thrown, not including 2020, because, again, that was kind of just an off year. He made all his starts, though. Uh, between 2017, 2019, through two hundred, through over 200 innings, finished in the top 10 of the Cy Young in all those years. Won it in 2018 and 19. Easily could have won it in 2020 as well. I know Trevor Bauer had a great year, so did you, Darvish. So he finished third, but uh, you know, was an All Star tw- uh, three times in his career. One Rookie of the Year. Did pitch in the World Series in 2015 with the Mets in his first All Star campaign. I think the injury bug got to him a little bit in 2016, I believe, but. He's definitely up there. I, I think he's a great pitcher. I just don't have him as the face because he doesn't have that kind of like postseason experience. And I know Mike Trout doesn't, but Mike Trout is just so phenomenal. It's so much different. Um, I actually do have Clayton Kershaw on number three. Uh, he's, again, same age, 32. He's been around a lot longer, though. He has been around since 2009. Has the playoff numbers to show for it. I know it took him a while to get that World Series. I think it was kind of like LeBron trying to get the monkey off his back. It definitely took Kershaw a lot longer had two major contract extensions throughout his career. Uh, he was ninth in Jersey sales in 2020 and has always been in that top 10. The way he's pitching too is just unlike what we've seen um, in his career. I mean, he's a 243 ERA. He's had three seasons where he's had an ERA under two. One of those seasons, he did only start 21 games. Averages 242 strikeouts in a full season, which is unheard of. 
won the ERA championship five times, three-time win leader, three-time strikeout leader, had a 300 strikeout season in 2015, has thrown over 2,000, almost 2,500 innings, 2,526 Ks. So close to 3,000 if he can hang around for the next two to three years, 175 wins. He's well on his way to 200. Um, and just getting that monkey off his back at the World Series, playing for a big team like the Dodgers is why I kind of have him more as a face. I think DeGrom maybe right now at this point in time might be the better pitcher because I think Walker Bueller might even be the best pitcher on the Dodgers. Um, and now maybe Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw might be the third best pitcher on his team, but that's no knock on him. That's just the team he plays on. And he is aging a little bit. I think DeGrom's long, longevity might be there a little bit longer than Kershaw, but Kershaw's a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and he's a great pitcher. I don't want to take anything away oh, from yeah. him. Like those, those three names that we mentioned. Um, and then obviously Garrett Cole's in the conversation. Yeah. Um, which, which again is another guy. I didn't even want to put him in here just because I don't, I didn't want to put any Yankees on the list, but <laughs> um, that's just me personally. Yeah. Um, I have but, him. I'll be honest. I have him as an honorable mention. I don't have him at top yep. four, but he's an honorable mention. For sure. Um, um, cool. But yeah. yeah. I was going to say, keep it in LA for number four. Yeah, we're going to go with Cody Bellinger. And I know he's early in his career. Very. But he has <laughs> absolutely dominated the sport. And he is someone that as soon as he got in the league, his name was in conversations. First year, 39 home runs in 132 games is insane. The following year took a step back and a full season only hit 25, but then comes back strong 2019 with uh, – What's the number there? 47 hey, over. He won MVP. Won MVP. Absolutely insane 2019 season. And then in 2020, right after an MVP season, hit 12 home runs in 56 games, which is on pace for 34 or 35 home runs, depending on which way you divvy up the numbers. 30 ribbies also, which is around 90, um, or it would have been like 88 over that stretch. But just a guy who can hit as a 273 career batting average. If it wasn't for a shitty 2020, it would have been a lot higher, um, probably in the 280 range, 290 range. Um, but overall, just a great batter, great fielder as well. One of the best defensive outfielders in the league. Um, and to me, when I got back into baseball, his name was all I heard besides Mike Trout. Um, and he's in almost every outfielder conversation that you have, which is why I have him there. Um, I know Mookie's done a lot for the sport. He's my honorable mention, but I feel like I didn't hear about Mookie until later in his career with not career, but towards the end of his time with the Red Sox. And I feel like Bellinger has been a staple name since he got into the league. Yeah. I think the reason I have Mookie too, just because he is definitely, I would say he's the better player, um, but Bellinger, no knock. I have, so how I did it before I get into my number four, I do have a few honorable mentions, but they're my future faces. So I'm going to be honest. Tatis isn't in my top four. But these, mm. these guys I'm about to list, I think if they have a big year or big next one or two years, they're going to be up there. So I have Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Braves. He, he's, he's an entertaining guy to watch. I think he might even be yeah. ahead of Tatis. It's a little tough to call that. But I mean, pretty much since, kind of like Bellinger since 2018, he's been in the major leagues and has gotten to the playoffs all three times, almost led the Braves to the World Series. Um, so I have him. Juan Soto already won a World Series before he even turned 21. So and was the probably second best or second best hitter on that team uh, behind Anthony Rendon. It was a big reason they won it, had some clutch hits. And then I have Shane Bieber who had a great 2020, had a great 2019, uh, the unanimous Cy Young award winner. I have Cody Bellinger on that list too. I think everyone forgets he's still 24 years old. So I kind of went like uh, 
Bieber's 25, so I kind of went 25 and under. And then I have Jack Flaherty. I actually don't know how old he is. He might be a little bit on the older side, but he's one of the best pitchers in baseball right now too, and he's a little bit younger. He's very um, outgoing. I follow him on Twitter. He's very outgoing, reminds me of a younger Trevor Bauer, but I think his stuff is a little bit better than Trevor Bauer. So I think by the time he gets to the, you know, the 29, 30 range, he's going to be like in that conversation for – one of the best pitchers and Walker Bueller kind of fits into that, that mold as well too. Yeah. Um, just playing and in LA. I think pitching in LA helps a lot becoming like the face. Exactly. And I wouldn't even be hesitant to add Kristen Yelich to that future conversation. I know he's 29 and he's older, mm-hmm. but his career really didn't get going until 2016 uh, when he put up 21 homers and then he started lighting up the plate, um, had an off year in 2017, but since 2018 at 36, 44 in 2019, mm-hmm. had 12 in 2020, which again would be the 34-35 range. Um, almost a .3 batting average, had a .326 and a .329 in 2018 and 2019. Yeah. So I think it is a guy that possibly could be a top four current Mount Rushmore face of the MLB, um, but he is getting up there in age, which is, again, why I left him off my four. Mm-hmm. Because he hasn't dominated every single year he's been in the league, like Bellinger, DeGrom, Harper, and Trout. Yeah, and everyone forgets too, Yelich probably would have beaten Cody Bellinger for MVP in 2019. He broke his knee, I think, mid or early September. Brewers still made the playoffs, but... He fouled a pitch off his knee and he, I mean, 2018, he was having a, him and Mookie were like the faces. I mean, at that point, no offense to Mike Trout, but they were kind of like the two guys, like, cause the Red Sox were the top uh, team in the AL uh, Brewers were the top team in the NL. And that was Yelich's first year in Milwaukee. Um, I did actually have kind of like another tier uh, not to go obviously too much into it, but more just so like honorable mentions that aren't under 25. I had Freddie Freeman. I did have Aaron judge. Uh, I don't think he is because he doesn't have the durability, but playing in New York, he was second in Jersey sales in 2020. I know he's always up there, but uh, he did also get new teeth. I don't know if you saw that, Jordan. He has oh, new he teeth. Did. He has yes. new teeth. Uh, oh, he doesn't look like Jackson Mahomes part. anymore. So that might make him the face of baseball. I don't know. But um, so I had Judge, I had Garrett Cole. Uh, and I had, I did have Max Scherzer and Trevor Bauer. I know Scherzer's like 36, but he's still just dominates uh, kind of at the level Kershaw does so um and I haven't even said my number four yet but I don't want to get too much into it my number four is Bryce Harper so who you had it to I have it for again I think it's just kind of the face I think he could easily fall off this list just because the Phillies have been pretty irrelevant since he got there um he's been all right he actually probably had one of his better years other than his 2015 MVP season makes the all-star team a lot but doesn't have a lot of accolades just one silver slugger in his MVP season in 2015 made the playoffs a couple times I think Four, no, three, four times uh, helped the Nationals win four divisions, but couldn't get him over the hump and, and get that World Series until he left. But um, I think Bryce Harper is just a face of baseball, just because, like I said, kind of like that LeBron Zion factor. He was like the prodigy in the kid, and he's had a pretty solid career. I think everyone looks at his batting average and thinks it's not very good, but he hits a ton of homers. He drives in a ton of runs. He gets on base. He plays a great right field. I, I would not want to be running home on a ball from second base on a ball hit to right field. Um, Bryce Harper's there. So I think he's still up there. I think he could easily, I don't say easily, but he could be the kind of that next guy off of that top four, obviously just given Tati, Sacuna, Soto, Freeman, Cole, just all those guys judge, even if he comes back and can stay healthy, like it's all kind of up there. Yeah. And Bryce Harper uh, has the best flow in the MLB. Yes, he does. Um, he does. That's great, man. And I'm looking at the picture of Aaron judge. It looks photoshopped. <laughs> it's not, he has new teeth. <laughs> so he weird. has new teeth 
Oh my god. It's damn. literally like someone just put dentures in his fucking literally, mouth. Literally, it's, like, it's yeah. yeah. It's it's completely different. But yeah. Um yeah, hey, could be the face of baseball, prettier face of baseball. Uh but um i guess there's not really too much else in baseball not too much has come out yeah. i saw gardner resign with the yankees you happy yeah, with that I'm, I'm guessing especially like we said judger judger hicks gets hurt you need you need that veteran presence there so yeah i'm i'm happy about it um i saw a tweet where a guy said like why waste a roster spot like you gotten someone so much better and i'm like for the value we're getting gardner at and what he brings to the yankees like I don't care if he's the best hitter or the best fielder in the world. It's consistency that we need. And that's what he brings uh, to the MLB. Yeah. Um, and someone could argue, oh, he's consistently not good. Like you could argue that, but like consistency is better than anything else. And I would say he, he's not an above average player, but he's not average. He's like in that weird in between, you know what yeah. I mean? So um, I think it's a great signing, especially at the price we got him for. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, still some guys that haven't been signed. Shane a lot Green. of guys that haven't been signed. <laughs> yeah. Well, a um, lot of old, not, I don't want to say old, but definitely experienced. Back end, yeah. Back end of the career. Yeah. That you think would be signed like Yasiel Puig, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, Cole Hamels, who obviously is towards the end of his yep. career. Um, Nick Markakish. Um, so, and Edwin Encarnacion, mm -hmm. like just names that you normally hear. You're like, oh, that player is good. And then you hear they're still a free agent and you're like, why? And you yeah. know, it's, it's a difference of price point, playing ability, regression. Like there's a lot of factors that are playing into that and why these guys don't have a team yet. And with spring training about the startup, who knows? It's I mean, we'll started. Probably, yeah, I mean, it has <laughs> <Game> started. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but we'll see how many players get signed before uh, games start to roll up. And it could be a thing where we see a lot of these free agents get signed during the season because COVID and everything else yeah. going along with that. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. You saw, I mean, you saw it with Craig Kimbrell in 2019, waited till mid season to sign with the Cubs and he was on pace to break Mariano Rivera, some save records. Um, yeah. I mean, my biggest takeaway, Jackie Bradley jr. I know the Brewers have been mentioned into him for potential center fielder position. I know they have an opening. So wouldn't hate that. Would definitely love to see him come back to the Red Sox. I think you might see some of these guys too. Jake Odorizzi, I know I've talked about him. Very similar numbers to Trevor Bauer, kind of that next tier below. Um, Rick Porcello, like you, or like I said, Cespedes. I know he had some drama with the Mets, but uh, kind of like you were saying, I think you might even see a lot of these guys maybe try and sign a one-year deal, just given the market and that their their salaries might be a little lower due to COVID. Teams might be using that as an excuse. So maybe a Jackie Bradley Jr. does want to you know, bet on himself, maybe come back to Boston for a year. You know, he probably has a place to live, try and prove himself again and wait till, you know, the market gets back up there. Fans are getting into the stadiums and maybe he can get a multi-year deal after that. Cause I think Jackie's still kind of 31, I want to say. So he still has some time. I know guys like Cole Hamels, Encarnacion, uh, Sinshu Chu, Rick Porcello. Those guys are a little bit, Nick Markakis. Those guys are a little mm -hmm. bit on the older side. So we'll see what happens. I think it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. And then just two uh, or three late hits in baseball, uh, Tyler Clippard signing with the D-backs. So, you know, D-backs kind of playing in a tough division, but we'll see what happens there. GT Real Muto broke his thumb with the Phillies. Um, they're hoping he will be back by opening day. They said it should be about four to five weeks. So probably won't play in any spring training games. Might do a quick rehab assignment before the season, but he should be back by opening day. And then Ian Desmond of the Colorado Rockies has actually decided to opt out of 2021. He was kind of a big advocate for opting out in 2020. So he's also opting out in 2021 just due to, I think he has a lot of young kids at home. So just wants to be with his family in this time. So um, props to him for, for having the guts to come out here and, and say that and go over that. 
Awesome. Love that. Cool. Um, well, it's Tuesday night. The Celtics are playing the Dallas Mavericks, and so I have that game on right now. So let's hop into the NBA. I know we have a lot to go over there. I know baseball took a little bit longer than we probably expected, but Jordan, who do you got as your hitter of the week? My hitter of the week uh, has got to be the Washington Wizards. Um, they played very well. They're on a five-game win streak. Uh, beat the Lakers the other night, which was a big surprise. Uh, they're doing everything they can to make sure that they stay within the NBA conversation. Got a couple wins earlier in the year after their awful start, but are really starting to turn it around. Um, Bradley Beal still playing at a very high level. Um, and a lot of the supporting cast is really starting to figure out not their role on the team, but they're figuring out how to work together and kind of do their not their own thing, but figuring out how to play as a collective unit. Um, just really cool to see what they're doing. Um, Russell Westbrook, obviously playing not top level that he's played in his career, but definitely better than what he has the past couple of years. Um, Ruby Hachimura finally back on the court doing a great job. So, um, and even Bertons is playing really well. Um, so I really like what the Wizards have been doing the past couple of games. And for that, uh, those reasons, they're my hitter for this week, um, mostly because of the win streak and even more so beating the Lakers and just playing more collectively yeah. as a unit. Yeah, beat the Lakers. They won in, in Portland in at the Lakers. Um, they have the Clippers and Nuggets coming up, so those will be two big tests. They already beat the Nuggets once at home. Uh, yep. It's really their offense that that's doing the trick. The only They've only given up less than 100 points once all year, and that was to the Celtics, actually, to start this winning streak. And the Celtics, <laughs> Celtics can't play in afternoon games. You saw them blow that fucking 24-point lead to, to the Pelicans the other day. They're like 0-3 or 0-4 in, in, um, in afternoon games. It's ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, no, the Wizards are playing really well. I think Russ is starting to kind of click, too. Like you said, Hachimura. I don't think they've gotten Thomas Bryant back yet, one of their big men, but I know they're hoping to get him back soon, so... Uh, that'll be interesting. The Wizards are, are still kind of right in the playoff mix. I think everybody other than not named the Bucks, the Nets, or the 76ers is kind of in contention for that, that, you know, that four through 10 seed, just because you got yeah. Charlotte up there, you got the Magic are starting to kind of come back. That really the only, I, the only team out of it I wanted to say was the Wizards, maybe the Pistons. Yeah, the Pistons but are, Pistons are kind of. Yeah. If, I mean, so, who knows? They, they string a few wings together, but it's, it's tough in this league, but. Yeah, but they're still even only four games back from the Wizards, so yeah. it's not, like, impossible. It's just highly <laughs> improbable. Yeah. You know, it would be tough. But, I mean, like, the Knicks are there, the Celtics, the, the Hawks, the, the Raptors. Um, speaking of the Raptors, that's my hitter of the week. And that pain, I don't want to say it pains me to say, I think the Celtics-Raptors rivalry has kind of picked up over the last few years just with them both being towards the top of the Eastern Conference and that, that playoff battle last year. But the Raptors, man, they are on a roll right now. They've won five in a row. Uh, they beat the Bucks, uh, dating myself back to last Tuesday when we recorded. Beat them 124-113. Beat them again 110-96. Uh, beat the Wolves 86-81. Uh, and then beat your 76ers actually the other night in a pretty convincing way. 110-103. Uh, Pascal Siakam, I know we were giving him a lot of shit in the playoffs, a lot of shit earlier in the year. He's been playing center for them a lot of the time. Um, he's been their starting center. And other than that game against Philly, uh, he's been playing very well at the center position against that Milwaukee team, which I know is tough. Uh, Kyle Lowry hasn't played um, in the last three games. They're 6-0 and this year without Kyle Lowry, uh, which I think surprises a lot of people. Uh, just come some, kind of some more stats. I mean, like I said, Siakam in that first Bucks game had 13 rebounds, five offensive. Van Fleet had uh, 33 points. Norman Powell's been firing off. He had 29 in that second game against the Bucks. 
I want to say he had 31 in a game where they only scored 86 against the Timberwolves. Didn't have the best game against the 76ers, but they're playing really well. I mean, Norman Powell, I have his his last four games here. 53% from the field, 48% from three, 20 and a half points a game, uh, shooting almost 95% from the free throw line. Uh, over his last six games, an effective field goal percentage over 64%. So he's playing really well. Uh, like I said, Siakam, been playing center. Fun fact about Siakam too, he has a higher career or a higher season player efficiency rating than he did in his all-star starting season last year, which um, shows he's still playing really well on both ends of the ball. I, like I said, rough start, but he's been playing really well. Fred Van Vliet, who we'll get to probably in a minute. Yeah. Um averaging 21.3 in his last four, 39% from the field. He has a career high in his player efficiency rating, showing he was worth every penny of that contract for the Raptors. Um, so they're winning in different ways. Like, I mean, you can see the scores they're, they're putting up. I mean, that, that game against the Timberwolves were able to hold them to only 81 points. I know they're a little, um, they're not the best team. That second win against the the Bucks forced 15 turnovers. Middleton had six, Giannis had five. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're playing really well. They're ahead of the Celtics right now. I think they're half a game above them. So they're, they're really a contender now for that top four or five seed, maybe even that three seed. Cause I know Milwaukee's kind of falling off. They, like I said, they beat them twice. So. I don't know if you have anything to add on that, but that's just no, kind of where the Raptors sit right now. Yeah, they're playing at a very high level. Um, really love what they're doing. Fred Van Vliet, uh, Van Vliet excuse yeah. me. What? I was calling Van Fleet. I don't know why. Yeah, I know. There's a V there. There's it two. Is, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but he, he's especially playing at a very good level. Um, this is a team that was not doing well at the beginning of the year. I know I had him ranked pretty high, but now they figured it out. Mm-hmm. They're, I believe, fifth in the east right now fourth uh, or fifth yeah yeah they're moving their way up there only behind the pacers bucks nets and sixers which is that's a tough list to climb but if there's any team in the east besides maybe the celtics if they get their shit together uh the raptors are the only, only other team that could really climb up that list i think the knicks are good and the bulls are good i just don't know if they have have enough to be able to climb up past that five and four spot um but again We'll see. It's a long season, even though we're almost halfway done. Yeah, with it. I know. Hard to um, think. Yeah, but a lot, a lot could change. Like, who would have thought that the Cavs, who were starting out extremely hot, they were third in the East at one point, are now second to last. Yeah. So a lot can change and a lot can happen. I know mm-hmm. it gets tougher to climb the ladder late in the season, but again, Toronto could be a team that's easily a two or three seed by the end of it. Yeah, they could definitely surpass Milwaukee. Um, they start winning. I mean, I think Tur- are playing in Tampa maybe had, I mean, that's what I said. That's why I had them ranked low at the beginning. Of the year. I just thought the Tampa thing was going to be a factor and it was early, but I think they've kind of figured it out and just kind of learned to deal with it. And yeah, um, I mean, they're former champions. A lot of those guys, Van Fleet, uh, Lowry, Siakam, you know, those guys are, are former champions. So yeah. um, one thing I do want to throw out there too, Chris Boucher um, had a plus 32 in that Philly game because Siakam wasn't playing well against Embiid. They brought him in. So he's showing, I mean, Aaron Baines is good, but uh, he had a huge game. He's been really good on these last four games. So showing that, that was the thing too. Like they lost to Baca. They lost Marcus Saul. Aaron Baines is good, but they didn't really have much for else for a big men. So Siakam stepping up now. Yeah. Boucher stepping up now. So I just want to throw that out there. I, li- I, li- I like giving the little guy, or not the little guys, because he's huge, but I want to give yeah. like, the smaller role players, I want to give them the credit they deserve. So yeah, uh, and I, he's been I think good. if he keep. Yeah, I think if he keeps being efficient in the time that he is in, he'll get more playing time oh, yeah. as he should. Um, obviously, I don't think he'll even get close to the starting rotation, but at least a seven or eight spot. Yeah. Maybe I doubt he'll get the six just based on his position, but mm-hmm. still 
you never know. NBA is getting weirder and weirder every year. Yeah, you never know. We could start and him and MB or MB, wow, Siakam could split time um, at <laughs> yeah. the five. But cool. Um, yeah, Wizards are firing off. What What do you got um, in terms of a shitter of the week for yourself? Yeah, I got the Warriors here, and I know that I normally pick guys that are like on a pretty big losing, not big losing streak, but like dropped a lot of games during the week. It's how the Warriors dropped the games that does it for me. Um, almost lost to the Heat, ended up winning in overtime on Wednesday. Uh, then they lost to the Magic in ridiculous fashion. And then Scary Terry hitting a buzzer beater. Scary Terry. Um, I love him. He's awesome. Um, I really yeah. like his playing ability and what he brings. I wish both. the Celtics could get guys like him. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it be crazy if they could find someone, you know, Kemba Walker who could stay healthy. I mean, that'd be a cool we option. We basically just... traded Kemba Walker for or Terry Rozier for Kemba Walker. And that just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Would have been nice. Would have <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. We, you know, drafted him. I mean, even a little you guy know. like Isaiah Thomas wouldn't be so terrible. Every hey, once you in like a while. my meme the other night. Any of those, <laughs> any of you who follow me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter if you like a good, a good Celtics meme. I, I I was proud of myself with that one. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah, but uh, Warriors, especially Steph Curry, and not that he's not putting up points. He is just missing a lot of shots. I believe over the past, he didn't play against the um, he didn't play against the Hornets, but against the Heat and the Magic, um, had a less than thirty five percent from three. I think it was less than forty percent from the field. He actually might have been less than thirty percent from three. I could have that completely wrong. Which game is that? Um, Oh, uh, that was magic. the magic, magic in the heat. He didn't play against the Hornets, at least okay. from what I saw. I could, again, that I might have just seen Let's things see. a little quickly. He shot thirty-seven from the field and from three against the Magic, and against the Heat, he was. That's the Heat numbers. Yeah, he only shot thirty-two and was five yeah. of twenty from three. Yeah, like to, to me, I'm just like. The Warriors are normally a team that know when to like shoot from two, shoot from the field and get a layup or something like that. Um, e- even though they've been one of the best three-point shooting teams over the past couple of years, they don't take the most shots from three. They're very selective with how they do it, and they're smart about their threes. The, the past three games have not been the Warriors of the past, and I know they don't have Clay Thompson, so they don't have an easy bucket option to the outside, which opens up the middle and inside. Um, so that definitely makes it easier for teams to play uh, perimeter defense and inside. But it's just you got to be smarter with your shots. Like a couple buckets fall their way and they don't take as many threes. They beat the Magic and they beat the Hornets. You know, so it's not so much on Steph Curry. I just think it's the collective unit of the Warriors not being able to shoot from three effectively like they normally do. So they have to force a lot of threes and not really get inside the lane and go get an easy bucket. Um, Either either on a step back, a post move, or a layup. Yeah, I will say Kelly Oubre hasn't been. He's been playing better. I know he started out. Yeah, fourth. we had him as a shitter of the week early in the oh year. Oh my god, he was he was not he was playing one of the worst very players. well. Um, he's been playing up. I think the, the problem with the the Warriors, and I know they haven't had too many issues with this in the past, but is their depth. But that was because they had KD Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Andre Iguodala. Uh, they had Even guys. Sean Livingston was Sean good. Livingston. I forgot about him. Even Zaza. I know he yeah. had a bad rep, but I mean, they had they had you know an eight man rotation with guys who would be starters on an, all eight of those guys could have been starters on other teams. Where now it's kind of like, all right, there's Ubre. I mean, Wiggins is there, Curry obviously, and then it's kind of like Draymond's. You know, has his injury uh, troubles. I know Wiseman's had a few injury troubles as well. So 
we'll see. I mean, they're kind of still hovering right around 500, which in the West, you know, probably will end up making the playoffs. But you know, like you said, you never know. You 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 lose five in a row or something like that, or five out of seven, and you're especially in the West. It's a little bit different than the East. You know, you you lose that. It it's hard to make up ground out there. Um, so speaking of making up ground, <laughs> my <laughs> shitter, which is hard to say because I don't want to turn on them too much just because they're a young team and we were praising them pretty much Jordan I think we may have cursed this team because since we talked about them I think either I think you had them as your hitter of the week two weeks ago Uh, they haven't won a game since it's the Sacramento Kings they have lost now I believe seven in a row and if I'm not mistaken it might no yeah seven in a row Harrison Barnes has missed the last three games so they can you can see that their defense has basically just been not nearly as good um, without him on the floor, they're outscored by 12.8 points per possession this year, which just isn't good. Over the last seven, they're giving up 124 points a game. Their average loss is by 10.4 points per, per game. Their closest loss was within eight, so they're not really playing too many close games. I know double digits in the NBA can be a close game throughout, but they're just kind of getting blown out. Um, you know, as of yesterday, Uh, They had the worst field goal percentage against them in the NBA. They jumped ahead of the Pistons in that. They're now giving up the most points per game, jumped ahead of the Wizards in that. And they're allowing the second highest three-point percentage, which, you know, obviously isn't good. You can't be doing that. The team's out West. And kind of another, you know, speaking of that three-point percentage, Buddy Heald not having a great year. He's third in the league in three-point attempts, but he's shooting below league average during the losing streak, only averaging 15.7 points a game, 37.3 uh, 37.3 from the field, 32.4% from three, and his plus-minus rating on an average night is minus 10.1. So he's not doing exactly what he needs to be doing for that team. I haven't really looked at the other guys' numbers, but I think Harrison Barnes is a huge part about that. I think when we had him as our hitter, when you had him as your hitter of the week, yeah. I mentioned him because I know he was talked about possibly coming to the Celtics as a trade rumor. And now I don't know just with his injury. Yeah. I had De'Aaron Fox as my hitter, but yes. Harrison Barnes was someone we talked extensively yes. about because he, he was a close second. For yes. Me. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. You had De'Aaron. I mean, obviously De'Aaron Fox is, you know, great player, but I think like Barnes is kind of like that veteran presence and that veteran leadership on a very young team. So, yeah. um, Tough to see. I, I don't know if they'll be able to bounce back. Uh, it's tough, just young team, but we'll see what happens. As we've been saying, you never know what happens, but yeah. tough division too. I mean, they're in a division with the Suns, Clippers, Lakers, and Warriors. So yeah. it's tough. it's tough when you got to play those teams. And like I said, I mean, the West is tough. Jazz, Nuggets, Trailblazers, Mavericks, like it's just Spurs. Like it's, it's crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah um any other nba news i know i wanted to t- uh touch upon some some of the bigger market teams before i get into some all-star all-star talk yeah um that's one six straight they're playing six really straight. well yeah they're like i they're proving me wrong every single they're proving day. me wrong too yeah True. Um, uh, doing great we talked about scary terry and the buzzer beater uh lakers four out of the last five they dropped they've lost uh, yeah one of those to the wizards as i mentioned earlier um so not having any th- we we Made that not made this prediction a week or two ago. Um, but Anthony Davis not being there is proving to be an issue. Uh, Montrez Harrell is not stepping up to the plate like we thought he would. No. He's playing well, but not to the Anthony Davis level, which you don't want to put that on a guy who is on the bench for a good amount of the season, mm-hmm. but you would expect him to play better, especially as the Lakers. And there's a lot of um, not not 
scrutiny, but expectation there. Yeah, it's it's the thing with the Lakers, I think, is that it's their, I mean, like you said, lost their la- four out of their last five. They've lost three straight at home, which is pretty tough. Um, one to the Nets. I know the Nets are a good team. Lost to the Heat by two. Lost to the Wizards by three in overtime. Thing is, I think it's really their three-point shooting, which is killing them. Um, LeBron's still shooting over 50% in that five-game stretch, still averaging almost a triple-double, but he's Mm -hmm. only shooting 15% from three on Mm. 6.6 point field goal attempts a game. That's that's kind of unacceptable there. Anthony Davis, again, only played uh, 14 minutes in that Denver game before he's missed the last four. Schroeder's missed the last three due to COVID. Um, And again, the three-point percentage. They're 20th in the league in three-point percentage. Only shot 28% as a team against Miami. Only barely uh, under 27 against the Nets. And you can't be doing that against the Nets who, you know, just fire off threes and are scoring at crazy, crazy paces. Um, Against the Wizards, they were up by 17 at one point, ended up losing that game. So it's tough if you're a Laker fan. I think this Lakers team reminds me a little of that 08-09 Celtics team. Uh, the Celtics won in 08, and then in um, March, I want to say, Kevin Garnett got an injury, missed. Basically, I think they were hoping he was going to be back by the conference finals, but the Celtics didn't quite get there because he was out for the playoffs, lost in seven games to the eventual Eastern Conference champion, Orlando Magic. And this team kind of reminds me similar. They have depth. They have really good players. I know Schroeder's out too, which makes it tough. And mm-hmm. LeBron's LeBron. But if AD is out, I, I don't want to say this team's going to lose in the first round because I'm not denying the greatness of LeBron. But LeBron's never had to have a playoff stretch in the West without a sidekick. Or I don't want to say a sidekick, but you know what I mean. Like a top yeah. tier. I mean, AD, he he made an all-star. He made the all-star team. He's probably not going to play in that game, but he made the all-star no. team again tonight. Um, and I just think in the Western Conference, it's a different feat than the East. Yes, in the East, he did it a yes. couple times without, I mean, when he was, what, 21 years old, he led them in 06 to, to the finals against this, or 07 to the finals against the Spurs. But the, the Western Conference is a different animal. You got the Clippers, yeah. you got the Suns, you got the Jazz, you got Portland, you got the Spurs. Like you just have all these teams, even the even the teams that are going to be seven, eight seed, the Warriors, like former champions that you're going up against. It's mm-hmm. going to be very tough. Yes, the Lakers are former champs, but they and I think it's good that they're letting AD rest now. If they finish a second or third seed, it might not be the end of the world, especially if the two seed wow. is the Clippers and they have to have a road series against the Clippers. Like it's not the end of the world. You're not yeah. having to go to, to different arenas and things like that. That's not bad at all. I, I really like that idea too, of like resting him now, bring him back later when you absolutely need him. Like, like I, I'm going to draw the comparison. I know we're not ready, not, not ready to talk about football yet, but I know yeah. I'm jumping the gun here, but Jalen Waddle um, is preparing yes. for the draft and sat for the second half of the season. And for the game for the national championship, he's like, fuck it, I'm gonna play. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you are top three receiver in this draft, and you're gonna go in and risk your career because you want to play in a national championship game. Like, I totally get it. Like wanting to play in a championship game and wanting to have that and have a ring and say, Yes, I played in the game. But what's more important, a Super Bowl or the national championship when you're at that point later in your career? And that's sort of the same with basketball. Like AD and the Lakers are making a smart decision. Could he play through the injury? Probably not. But he could probably come back earlier than what they're saying. But they want to take the time to rehab. They want to make sure he's conditioned. And they want to make sure he's full throttle, 100% good to go, rather than playing at 90% and not being as effective as he could be. Yeah. So I, t- I totally get it and totally – I love the move. It makes sense. I mean, even the Celtics are doing something similar with Marcus Smart. I mean, his his injury ended up being a calf tear and not a calf strain like they thought. So he's missed about six – he's going to 
basically missed six weeks. Hopefully they're hoping he's back by the second half of the season. Hopefully. But that's the thing in the NBA. It's not the NFL. It's a grind. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I know there's 10 less games this year, but still that's a, all the other reasons. Is you, yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen in the second half of the season with COVID. You might have a lot of back to backs. You might have some four out of five nights. Um, it's because they, they still haven't announced that second half schedule yet. So you don't know what it's going to be looking like with teams with, with the COVID protocol. I know it's kind of evened out as the season's gone on, but you don't know what's going to happen. And, and, you know, I mean, I doubt you're going to see AD play back to backs the rest of the regular season. I, I highly, highly doubt that. Uh, it's, I mean, you, even with the Celtics, you're seeing Kemba Walker not play that you're seeing star players with injury troubles, not do that. So they're being smart with it. I mean, they're still, I think third in the West, so it's not the end of the world right now. Um, but yeah. And then you mentioned the nets a little bit. I kind of want to touch on the nets. If, if you were done on the Lakers. Yeah, you're good. Go for it. Um, nets kind of, I know they, like you said, they've been proving us wrong. The, the funny thing about the nets is I know we talked about the Celtics kind of gave them a, a hall pass going two on two and three on their West coast road trip. The Sixers, I asked you last week, if you were concerned, they went one and three on their West coast road trip. The, the nets went five and oh, they beat the warriors, Kings, Suns, Clippers, and Lakers. They beat that whole entire Pacific division. All of them, I mean, the, the Suns are the fifth seed right now. Clippers are the two seed. Lakers are the three seed. Warriors are like about eighth. I know the Kings are struggling, but still. Um, and Durant only played in one game. He only played in that Warriors game. He didn't play any of the other four games. They have 125 offensive rating, shooting 70% in the restricted area as a team. That means they're getting to the basket. Harden and Kyrie are driving. DeAndre Johnson or DeAndre Jordan is making the most of his shots. Um, Harden's averaging almost a triple double over his last six, um, just uh, 0.8 rebounds a game shy of that shooting 47% from three, uh, Kyrie 26.1 in his last six, uh, or against didn't play against Phoenix. So his last five X factor in this, the little guys, you ready for this one, Jordan, who do you think it is? Yes. Uh, little guys, not hmm. little, but like, role I know, players I know. Again. he did. Role this guy players. does start. I will say he is a starter. DeAndre Jordan. Close. Uh, Joe Harris Joe on Harris. that road trip, 16 points a game, 58 58.3% field goal percentage, 56.3% from three, and a plus 10.6 average point differential a night oh my God. Uh, on that road trip. So it, it's, again, those role players, that's what the Nets need. They need guys like him, DeAndre Jordan, to step up. Um, on nights where guys like Kevin Durant is out guys stretch the floor. And that's probably part of the reason why they're shooting so well in the restricted area. Cause Harden's 47.1% from three in that stretch. Kyrie was shooting 53 from the field. So they're making their outside shots. So teams are more likely to pull out and, you know, get up them at that, at the perimeter and at the, at the half court line and guys like Kyrie Harden all have great driving ability and then get to the hoop, have three defenders come on, you kick it out to Joe Harris for three. It's it's or Harden or Durant. Um, it's it's good for them. So they're going to be scary. Yeah, for sure. I really like what they're going to do uh, later in the year, especially once KD starts playing more games and isn't getting rested as much as he is right now um, and starts coming over these injuries. Yeah. Um, really excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, just some quick hits, I guess, in the NBA before we get into All-Star talk. Uh, Clippers beat the Jazz on Friday night, but if I was the Jazz, shout out James, I wouldn't be worried um, because the Jazz still have 121 out of their last 23. Um, also, for those of you who are listening and are NBA fans, next week we're going to be dropping a mid-season podcast, uh, another bonus episode with our friend James over from the Jazz Notes. So that'll be interesting. He'll give us a good West Coast perspective on basketball because Jordan and I are over here on the East, and I know you have to work early. I have to work pretty early. We're not staying up and watching those Wednesday night 10 no, games. I'll not. watch like a first quarter. 
I'll try and catch some highlights. And I, it saddens me because I like watching the Jazz. I love Dame time. I love my, I love the Suns, but it's tough. So week, weekends I try. Weekends I try. Yes. Um, let's see. I mean, I know that I said the Celtics blew that huge 24-point lead. Still went 2-2 two and two on the week. Timberwolves fired uh, Coach Ryan Saunders, son of the late Flip Saunders. Like you were saying earlier, Jordan Cavs losing streaks up to 10 games. Rockets are at eight-game losing streak. And DeMarcus Cousins, uh, him and the Rockets, speaking of them with their eight-game losing streak, have agreed to part ways. Uh, I know we talked about it last week with Drummond and Griffin. Any potential landing spots? Like you think if the Mavs don't get Drummond, they should go after Boogie? Yeah, and I think it'd be obviously cheaper for them to go after Boogie instead of trying to get a trade um, for Drummond. And I think Mm -hmm. it's obviously Drummond's a – Right now, in this in this point in their careers, he's the better player. But I think Boogie can bring that same kind of impact offensively and not so much defensively, but still be better than most guys to, on the defensive side. Yeah, I think um, I don't I don't know if the Celtics necessarily be a great fit for him. I think they definitely need a more sustained role player who can play or like a starter, like a Drummond. That they need a guy who can play longer periods of minutes. I don't think Boogie's going to give you more than 10 to 15 minutes a night. So I don't think I like the Celtics too much for it. I think Miami, I know I mentioned Blake Griffin to Miami. I think that would be a good fit for Boogie. Miami, Toronto even, I know we're talking about their big men. That might not be a bad spot. Um, That would probably be a good fit. The Warriors, he was there recently. That might not be a bad fit either. Get, Get some guys, we're talking about their depth. They might be able to get him cheap. And, and you know, like I said, he ha- he's played with Steph Curry. He was injured for most of that season. He was there, but that wouldn't be a bad fit either. So no, it would wouldn't. be interesting to see. Um, but cool. Well, All-Star, All-Stars have been announced. Starters have been uh, announced. Reserves have been announced. My Lord. Um, any takeaways, I guess you want to – so starters, we have Eastern Conference, Beal Kyrie, Joel Embiid, KD, and why am I blanking on the fourth one? Giannis, duh. Giannis. Uh, and then West starters, and then it goes it goes to a draft. So KD's one captain, and then the West, LeBron's the captain. He's got Luca, Steph Curry, Nikola Jokic, and I believe Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Kawhi. So yep. any takeaways? I think you and I were pretty much in agreement that there was probably two guys in one in each league that could have probably been taken off. Yeah, um, I think as far as starters are concerned, I think Jalen Brown's having a great year. Um, it probably could have been put in over Kyrie Irving. Um, and then you could even make the argument James Harden. I, I think Harden. And I, you know yeah. me, I, lo- I love my Jalen Brown. <laughs> I yeah. love him. He hasn't been great the last few games, but I love him. I think, I think Harden could have been in there over Kyrie. Yeah, and what's crazy is he's the only player in the NBA with double-figure assists, he's, and he's getting 11.1 a game, so it's not yeah. even like, oh, like 10, like 10.2. Like, no, he's well above um, the 10 requirement um, to at least get a double-double. So that's not well over. It's only one more game, but still, like, that's a great average to have uh, in the assist total. Um, and also, 66.2% true shooting since joining Brooklyn, which is an yeah. unbelievable that's number crazy. to have. So look I at you with just, the analytics, Jordan. Look at me go. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, just because like I think it was because of what happened in Houston and not and wanting to sit and not play a couple of games and all the drama there. I think people just didn't want to give him the nod um to be on the starting list. And I think Kyrie has definitely been not a more consistent player, but I think like he's been in Brooklyn for a year. He came back strong to start the season after missing a good amount of games last year. And beginning um, of this season, he missed a lot of yeah, games too. Yeah, and beginning of this season. So I think like 
Harden definitely should have been over it, but I understand why he's not the starter. But yeah. still, Harden made it anyways, which made Nets history. It's the first time three Nets players have made the All-Star game all in the same season. Wow. Good nod to the uh, Nets there. That's really cool to see. Um, what about you, Jack? Any Anyone that you think could have been replaced? Or... So, I guess, I guess starters, uh, I mean, I think Kyrie, I don't think it was fair just given the amount of games he's playing, and that's not me just giving it to Jalen Brown. Um, I mean, like we saw, Brown, Brown's a reserve. Zach Levine, I think, could have made it over Kyrie. Uh, but again, it's a fan vote, so I know Kyrie's a popular pick um, over, obviously, guys like Jalen Brown. Maybe not Zach Levine as much. In the West... I think Dame could have made it over. A lot of people are saying Luca. I know the Mavericks aren't having a good year, but Luca's still averaging like crazy. I mean, 27, 10, and 9 is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, the No matter how your team's doing, I mean, Bradley Beal made it as a starter. And at the time, when he got elected his or voted in, his team wasn't doing very well. So um, I, think, I think Dame could have maybe made it over Steph. Uh, that probably is it. But again, um, I think they got it nail on the head with LeBron Kawhi's having a great year. I think he's having a very underrated year and, and Jokic, I think is an yeah. MVP candidate. I think uh, sneak preview for next week. I think he might be second behind maybe Joel Embiid and front court in the East Durant's having a great comeback year. Uh, Giannis I know isn't having the MVP year that he's usually had, but he's up there. And then obviously um, Embiid, maybe probably the front runner for the MVP. Anyone on the, do, do you know, do you want me to read off the reserves to you? I know we kind of started recording mid yeah, mid-announcement, so. I, I have the reserve list uh, brought up. Do you want me to name the uh, reserves since, since you took the starters? Yeah, yeah, go for Sweet. it. All right, so in the East, we got Jalen Brown, James Harden, who we just mentioned, Jason Tatum, so two of the big Celtics Woo! we both wanted to be on there, both made the <laughs> list. Zach Levine, who's had an unbelievable year, doing very well. Julius Randle, who I actually thought wasn't going to make it, but I'm very Agreed. happy that he did make the All-Star game. Uh, ben Simmons, who I'm kind of surprised about, but at the same time, like he's just, he's a stud. And like, even though he doesn't put up the crazy numbers, he has the much bigger on-court impact than you, what you can see in numbers. So I think that's a great nod that he got on the list. And, um, and Nikola Vucevic also made it on there, which I was really happy to see that. And then for the Western Conference, Dame Lillard obviously has to make Same it. Time. Yep. And not someone you could have argued could have made it uh, for the West over Curry, but still like Curry's having a great year. So you kind of not have to give him the nod given his situation. But again, Dame is someone that I think could have been put in above. Donovan Mitchell, who I'm now considering a superstar uh, in the league. So great to see that he made the team. Rudy Gobert, Paul George. Anthony Davis, who's going to miss the game. So Adam Silver is going to name an injury replacement. I'm not sure who it will be. I think uh, I have an idea. So shoot for it. What do you think? I think it's going to be one of two guys. Um, the thing is, he's a forward. I don't know if they're going to replace him with another forward. Uh, someone who I think got snubbed. I think Chris Paul is definitely deserving of it. I think Devin Booker is an all-star. I think he should be on this list. I don't think probably over Dame... Paul, uh, Chris Paul, Paul George, Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he fits in there, but I think he might get the nod over Anthony Davis, just given the stats. Um, somebody else I could see, maybe, I don't know. Uh, Brandon Ingram having a pretty a solid year. I know mm. Zion. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Zion. I'm happy he got on. So maybe Brandon Ingram. I'm not sure. To, I'm trying to think to, uh, who else maybe forward-wise might get in. I don't know if like DeRozan, I know he's kind of considered a guard. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they, they try to replace it by position because I think Booker's probably the best next best player not on get, uh, um, can i get into that for a yeah, second yeah yeah, um, yeah. Z- zaya made the list uh really happy about that but the fact that 
Chris Paul made the all-star team as a reserve over Devin Booker is fucking stupid. No, I, 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 see, I disagree because I think the same reason why Simmons is in there is the same reason why Chris Paul's in there. Because yes. the Chris Paul no. effect is real. Like what he's doing is, is it's like what he's doing for that team. Kind of like what you said with Simmons. It's, yes. I think it's the same thing. Yes, and I agree that, that it is the same thing. Here, here's my one argument for it, is that Embiid has always been an incredible scorer. Yes, he's had Ben Simmons there for most of his career, but Embiid has always done incredibly well. Devin Booker has done good, but Devin Booker is outplaying his career pace right now, and he's playing at a much higher level than he has at any other point in his career. Um, I have some quick stats to go off of. Let me just pull it up real quick. Uh, his field goal percentage is up by 5%. I uh, went from 45.2 to 50%. Um, he's scoring, uh, he went from 22.5 points a game to 24.7, which doesn't sound like a lot, but two more points a game over the course of a full season um, is around 150 to 160 points, depending how many games are being played. Shooting 3% higher from three-point, um, getting more boards. And it's just, to me, is doing more. I don't want to say doing more for the Suns and Chris Paul, but to me, like Devin Booker is playing better than he ever has. And yes, yeah. because Chris Paul is there is the argument you can make for that. But it, it's the same argument. Embiid's always played great, so Simmons playing well on the court is doing some of that for Embiid. But that's more so because Embiid's a really good ball player, whereas Devin Booker is playing light years ahead of where he played and is taking that next step into that superstar sort of tier that he has reached, but not to the level that he's reaching this year. So I love Chris Paul, love what, he, what he's been doing for the Suns and what he's done for his NBA career. But the fact he made it over Devin Booker when they're on the same team, like to me, that just just doesn't make sense. But yeah. again, it, it, it's a close call. Close I, think, call. Like, I don't yeah. want to take anything away from Chris Paul at all. Mm-hmm. But I, I, if I was the sole vote, Devin Booker would have been an over Chris Paul. I, I think I think you're going to see Booker get in. I don't think you're going to see Silver yeah. do it based off position because it's an all-star game. And it's a draft, too. It's not like it's East versus West. They're, they're drafting guys. I, th- I think Booker – I was actually watching NBA TV last night because they – good old Massachusetts wasn't showing any NBA games last night. So I just decided to turn on NBA TV, and they were saying – Davis will probably make it. And then they said either Chris Paul or Devin Booker will not make like one of the two will not make it, but then they'll like get in by default by Mm. Davis being out. So I think so. Um, In the East, I did just want to throw out there Van Vliet, I think probably should have made it not to cause another debate, but probably over Simmons, I would think just based off the numbers and it's, it's no knock on Simmons, but like, I just think Van Vliet, if he wasn't on that team, especially with Lowry being out the amount of games he's been out, I mean, he's, he's been playing like an all-star. And then I think Julius Randall was the right call, but Chris Middleton, I know you're a big Middleton guy. He's having better years than he did on those two all-stars, his last two all-star seasons. Mm -hmm. I know the bucks aren't that top seed, but I think, I guess if you were to pick somebody, I mean, Tatum, I, I was making the argument about Kyrie. I mean, Tatum missed his fair share of games with, COVID, but he actually did have COVID where Kyrie was just kind of going to family parties without yeah, masks on. Literally. But, and I, I'm not, I, I mean, I think Tatum's definitely deserving of it. Cause if it wasn't for him and Jalen Brown, the Celtics would be well below 500. Um, so, I mean, maybe Middleton over again, maybe Simmons. I think he's more considered a forward. So maybe over Julius Randall, yeah. but I, it's it's a toss up. Like I, I think it, this is probably one of the 
most like accurate years, I would say. Um, yeah. In terms like, I mean, other than maybe Chris Paul over Devin Booker and maybe Simmons over Van Vliet, but like, I think it was kind of like, I think if Julius Randle missed it, like if it was Middleton over him, we would have been like, yeah. Or if Devin Booker obviously made it over Chris Paul, I think no one would have batted an eye. Or if, even if Anthony, if they just didn't have Anthony Davis on just because of the injury, like, I don't know if people probably have been like, what the heck? And then, but I think it's good to have him on, get him because he's definitely an all-star and then get him replaced and, and get yeah. that to another guy who probably should be Devin Booker. Yeah, exactly. And, and just to read off some names that I, I don't think could have replaced anyone on the list, but at least should be like, just acknowledged for how good their seasons have been. Uh, Trey Young is one of them. Bam out of Bam out of bio for how shitty the Miami was at the beginning of the year. He was the one bright spot. Uh, Shy Gilgis Alexander has played very well. De'Aaron Fox, who was my hitter a couple weeks ago, yeah. and, and not to toot my own horn of the 76ers, but Tobias Harris has Tobias played Harris. at a great level. This is the best year of his career so far. Yeah. Still only 28 years old. Um, you know, this is he's shooting 40.3 percent from three. Uh, 60.7% for true shooting. So he's doing a great job uh, just helping this team out as much as he can. So obviously, this is not the biggest volume shooter as a lot of these guys on the NBA All-Star list are. But uh, again, deserves at least some recognition and all the guys on this list uh, that I just named off. Yeah, I think they should, because uh, an NBA roster is 15, like the size is 15. I think 13 can dress for a game. I think they should just do 15 for the All-Star game. Not That'd to just kind cool. of like make it more inclusive, but there's always snubs, I feel yeah, like. Always. And I just feel like give it to more guys, get it, especially this year. I mean, I know with COVID, you're trying to cut numbers, but like it's an All-Star game. They don't need yeah. to play 45 plus minutes. Like, No, they don't. Get the guy. I mean, LeBron's been there. 17 times or whatever it is like uh, i mean a lot of these guys tatum's gonna i mean tatum's a younger guy harden's been there a ton durant's been there a ton Giannis is going to be there a ton and Embiid will probably yeah. be there a ton so uh, i do yeah. like how it is a lot of young guys though this year i mean zion donovan mm-hmm. mitchell's still young um hopefully booker gets in levine brown i mean you look at the east it's a pretty young team yeah, it is um, beals yeah. beals not that old um so cool i love it i love it love well it, man all-Star game uh, Sunday, March 7th, and we'll have a few more shows before that. So yeah. we'll get into that. Um, but cool. Well, off to the races in the NFL. Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll start out. Um, Jordan's probably what? Maybe, Jordan, on Thursday you'll probably be dropping our mock draft? Uh, I'll probably drop it tomorrow. As soon as this episode gets posted, I'm going to drop my mock draft. I've already released mine on the um, – the BBB. Uh, yeah, the BBB already posted mine there. Uh, put that up around two o'clock today on Tuesday. Um, so that's already there. So you'll see mine, but you will see Jack's as well. Uh, both of our side by side comparison. Um, you'll see that. Well, by the time you're listening to this, probably yeah, we'll see it. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Well, um, I guess let's let's start out before we kind of get in. So we're gonna do similar we'll probably let's go over kind of some nfl news first i know there's other than car i think carson wentz is the biggest thing i think everything else we kind of have is just more like kind of quick hits but um and then we're gonna go over i know we've been doing five has been a number here so we're just gonna go over where we think five quarterbacks are gonna land i think we have the same quarterbacks actually just kind of i think all different landing spots uh, other than Trevor lawrence so um i guess you want to start out any Words of wisdom about Carson Wentz. I saw you you dropped that graphic the other day. So just yeah. what your thoughts are. I think you have some high expectations for the Colts. I, I do. I, I think the Colts are going to go 13-3 and three with Wentz. I predicted that on my way too early season predictions. Um, that was another blog I posted about 
when the Super Bowl ended. So I think 16 days ago from the time of recording this, uh, 15 days ago maybe. Yeah. But Carson Wentz with Frank Reich, his first two years with the Eagles, goes 18 and 11, 244.1 pass yards per game. His touchdown percentage per snap. So this is how many touchdowns he's either throwing or rushing for per snap, 4.7. And then his turnover percentage is 3.1. So that's interceptions and fumbles uh, per snap. So pretty good numbers. Those are solid. Uh, and this is exactly on the graphic on the Hard Hitting Sports Pod page um, on Instagram. If you guys do not follow. It's on Twitter go, too. Yep, on Twitter. <laughs> please go follow. We're posting content almost daily now at this point on the story and on the Instagram and Twitter. So uh, definitely go take a look at that. But without Frank Reich, this is in three years. So he played 29 games with Frank Reich. Without Frank Reich, he's played in 42 games. Over those 42 games, he is 17, 21, and 1. So he's lost 10 more games and won one less game with more games without Frank Reich. His passing yards have gone up uh, five yards per game, which is like, uh, I think is 90 at the end of the year, uh, 249.6. His touchdown percentage has gone down uh, to 4.4%, and his turnover percentage has gone up to 3.3%. Um, so to me, I, I, I see both ways, where a player can be greatly helped by a coach at the quarterback position. It's solely on the quarterback. So I don't want to blame anything on scheme. I don't want to blame anything on player personnel around him because um, the quarterback's the one making the decision to throw the ball or not. Um, but – it is clear to see that Frank Reich and his offensive scheme greatly helped Wentz. It depends on the type of reads they're making. It depends on the style of offense that they run, um, where the where Frank Reich runs a more vertical style offense, which he couldn't really do when he had Phillip Rivers, but when he had Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett, he was much more readily available to do that. And now he has Wentz, who's a very similar player to Andrew Luck in terms of arm strength, mobility in and outside the pocket. And arguably, Wentz is the better athlete than Andrew Luck um, at this yeah. point in their careers. So, well, obviously, Andrew Luck's retired. The, but... the dur- yeah, and I don't want to say durability either because Wentz had his fair yeah. share of injuries, but I know Luck had his some ser- very serious injuries. Yeah, yeah and now um, think about it. He's going from one of the most injured lines in the NFL to one of the best. The best, pe- yeah. Pe- pending they get a good draft pick, which we'll see in our mock drafts uh, yep. <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I got a good guy to- going to the Colts. Um, yeah. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I, uh, were you done kind of with, with Wentz? Because yeah. I just had a couple things. I mean, I, I agree. I don't know if they go 13-3, and three, but I think 12-4 and four is definitely a realistic yeah. number. And, and I, I, it's hard to think, too. 13-3 and three is only two games better than they did in 2020. Yeah, crazy to think. And let's put it this way. If they beat the Jags week one. Yeah, they're 12-4. They're and, four. and four. Or even, and four. even this, I was actually going to say this one because you say that. But even if they didn't beat the Jags but beat, the Steelers, because that week 16 game, they were up 24-7 at half. If they mm-hmm. win that game, they're the three seed because the Steelers would have dropped down. They ended up losing to the Browns next week. I think the Steelers would have dropped to six or seven seed. And the Colts are sitting at three seed. And the Titans may have potentially missed the – no, because they went 11-5. and five. They probably – the Titans yeah. would have been like seven seed. They would have had to go to Buffalo, not the Colts. So yeah, exactly. Um, the Colts definitely, I think, with a uh, – and I, I don't think it was like Rivers' fault that they lost no. really either of those games. But – I think I think Wentz definitely. I think they're the the, the division favorites now. I think you saw yeah. Tennessee how beat up they were with that defense. No knock to Derrick Henry, 
but you're probably not going to rush for 2000 yards again. And you saw how Baltimore shut him down in that playoff game. I don't think he's going to like fall off a cliff. I'm not, that's not my theory, but he's definitely, I mean, it's, you can only, you can only go down from 2000 yards. Like it's, it's tough. And I know Tannehill, like teams are starting to figure out him out. I know you're big on film. There's more and more mm-hmm. film on him now. Yeah. Um, he had some really great games, but he also had some really crappy games. Yeah. So I, I just think, and, and I think the Titans still are going to be in the playoff mix. I, I don't know if they will be a playoff team yet. It really depends how this off season goes signings that teams yeah. make. It's, it's kind of too early to tell, but I think right now at this moment in time, the Colts, are the favorite in the AFC South. Yes, and I would agree. But we also need to take into consideration the Titans had the worst offseason in 2020 than any other team ever had, and they still won that division. Mm -hmm. They went after Davion Clowney, didn't do shit. Vic Beasley, terrible. Isaiah Wilson with the first overall pick, played four snaps. Not first overall pick, but their first-round draft pick. Mm -hmm. Played four snaps the whole year. They they had the worst offseason out of any NFL team still won the division. So the Titans could put together a good offseason. They'll contend. I think they're a 12 and 4 team, but I think the Colts are that much better with Wentz, a young defense getting a whole nother year together. They add another pass rusher, they'll be insane. And to boot, not not to go off the rails here, but you said Derrick Henry might not go for over 2000 yards again. I agree, but I think he could easily get 17 or 18. Oh yeah. No, no, no knock on him. I just, just yeah. teams kind of, I think you saw the Ravens figure him out and he's had a few games and I mean, there's been some playoff games with him. I mean, you know, me. I really like Derrick Henry. I have a freaking yeah, Derrick Henry him. t-shirt. So like, <laughs> I, I, I like the guy, but uh, I just know teams have kind of figured out ways around him. So he's still going to be good. I mean, he's still going to be up there. He's still going to be a top five running back in the league. It's just, yeah. I, I think the Colts with that defense too, and that O line, I think a lot of people forget how important an offensive line is in football. I think it's just it. I think they're going to be up there. And Frank Reich's a really, really, really good. I love, I think he's, he's one really of the more good. underrated coaches in the league. He um, is. Just given just kind of where he is the, they don't have like the Colts don't have the flashy players that like a Derrick Henry, who's, who's making highlight real plays or a Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes. They're kind of almost like a Patriots without Tom Brady. They're very by the book. They do things the right way. They have guys who, you know, weren't stars in college, but have worked their way up to the NFL level and have found ways to become successful and be part of a team and almost like that Patriot way do their job. So I, yeah, I, I love, I love Wentz the Colts. I think they're going to be probably a top three team in the AFC. I, I, I can agree with you on that. I think, I think the bills and chiefs are still up there. But I think the Colts are kind of that next tier down um, with like the, the Steelers, the Ravens, um, and, the, and the Titans. Yes, totally. And in the same respect, like this Jonathan Taylor going to his second year, who is now the lead back on that team, where as for the first half, he was splitting reps with Naeem Hines. Mm-hmm. Marlon Mack was supposed to be the starter. Now he's, most, he's out of Indy, yeah, basically, because yeah. um, his contract's up. Um, and I don't know where he's going to go because he's a really good back that could make an impact in a split back system. Maybe he goes – I doubt he goes to the Pats, but, like, could be a guy that could do well there. Yeah. Um, but, again, it's just – the Colts are going to be a scary team next year. And to think they were 11-5, and could have been 12-4. and four. And now you get Carson It could have been 13-3. and three. <laughs> Yeah, could have been 13-3. And, and now you bring in Carson Wentz, who's thrived other Frank Reich, who has – the best offensive line he's probably ever had except the sophomore year with the Eagles. And then that defense behind him, like, uh, to me, it's Colts 13-3, and three, Super Bowl or bust. 
Jonathan Taylor is my offensive player of the year, way too early prediction. And I think with Wentz there helps his claim because Wentz can is a threat in the passing game when he has time and he has players that do well, like T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle's a very good tight end. Michael Pittman went off towards the end of the year. Like you bring that core back, Colts offense is scary, and they're gonna match that level of the defense. Not to mention best long snapper in the league, one of the best punters in the league, and our boy Rodrigo. On the pod. I hope you all enjoyed that video. Blankenship. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that video. Fuck and it. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into that at the end a little bit for those who are still listening. But Dude, um that video got me hyped. He better yeah, he better get on the pod. I hope he sees it. Also, if you ever do hashtag get rod on the pod, also to feel free to throw in uh, respect the specs. I figured out that we try to we should have probably been doing that earlier too, because Rodrigo follows that hashtag so i probably should have been doing that earlier i i don't go into his dms too much i probably have sent him about three or four messages i don't want to harass the guy um not that he's probably seeing everything but i'm not trying to harass the guy either but feel free if you're ever throwing out a hashtag get right on the pod feel free to to also throw out a hashtag respect the specs with that um kind of to transition a little bit washington football team keeping their name until 2022 i think we kind of saw this coming i think they said it was going to be a two or three year thing yeah, and I like it and I don't like it because I think it's cool to like that's kind of their thing and they played well with that name. But also think about how stupid it would be if you had a team with like a badass name like the Raiders or the Titans, you know, in the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're going to get there, but yeah. th- think about it this way. The Raiders against the football team. You know what I mean? Like that's just weird to think about. You know, it's like SpongeBob, like, hi, how are you? You know, it's just- <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's so weird, but yeah, it's good. I think it's good for them this year with the team of guys they got, young guys trying to find their identity. Um, yeah, I like it. Question for you. Do you think that the Washington football team has a team name first or the Cleveland Indians? Because they are still listed as the Cleveland Indians. They still, their social media pages are the Cleveland Indians. Who do you think has a new name first? Washington football team, just because the Cleveland Indians will follow suit and try to have a good process about it trying to do something smart and trying to do something meaningful to the city of Cleveland, just like Washington's trying to do for the city of um, of Washington, Washington, obviously. (laughs) Not not even the city, literally the province. Literally Um, the capital of the U S yeah, literally the capital. But, um, but also I think it's, it's because of what the connotation, the old name had, I think they're trying to get going to do something more meaningful to the black community Um, in Cleveland. And uh, no, to uh, for Washington, Washington. Native black American or black community? Yeah. Um, Native American, black community all together. Because I think the NFL took such a big uh, stake in the Black Lives, Ma- uh, black Lives Matter movement that, yes, other sports have done really well with. But for the NFL to do that, that was like the NFL's getting in on this. Like it was right just after such a cool everything moment. with Kaepernick, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think they're going to – it's definitely going to be more Native American driven, but I think they're also going to try to throw in a splash of the Black Lives Matter movement yeah. as well, which I think just, the Red the Red Tails might be a good team name. Yeah, just something to um, do with unity or something along those lines I could see definitely yeah. being a thing, especially just given the, the past few years we've had. But not yeah, to get even, in – Yeah, oh, my no, I was even going to say like Washington Pride wouldn't even be that bad of a name either. Fun fact, the uh, women's hockey team in Boston, the professional women's hockey team is the Boston Pride. So, Oh, look at that. Uh, they would not be the first one in major sports. But nope. <laughs> um, without any further ado, any other quick NFL hits before we kind of just go into our QBs uh, yeah. of the draft? 
This will be a good transition because the Panthers just cleared $11 million in cap space with cuts. They cut Trey Boston, Stephen Weatherly, uh, or Stephen Weatherly, um, Mike Pilardi, or Matt Pilardi. Um, it's the their punter. They just cut him. They cut a fourth guy. I forget his name. But they cleared $11 million in cap space. Do you think they tried to make a move on Deshaun Watson? I could see it. I think him and Matt – I think Matt Rule would love having him here. Mm-hmm. Um what I don't know, kind of trade wise. I mean, I guess they could give up. I think they have some early picks with the eighth yep. overall pick. Yep. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, wouldn't be bad in a Houston uniform either. No. Um, I could see it. I, I don't know exactly. I think Matt Rule, not that he's like on the hot seat or anything. It was just his first year last year. I think, and I think the Panthers are smart enough to give him a couple of years. So I, I could see it. Um, I don't know if it makes him like the favorites now for him. I know the Dolphins have been rumored to him. I know that was kind of the team I said. Um, and now there's been actual talks about it. So. I could see it happening. It, it depends, but the Panthers definitely aren't out of the question by any means. And with those cuts and, and those that draft stake they have, I could see them definitely trying to make an offer. Yeah. The, uh, the four teams right now, obviously the jets, the dolphins, and then the two sub teams, I would say are the Broncos and now the Panthers. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And I think PFF might've listened to the, uh, the pod a couple of times because now they're saying, Oh, Deshaun to the, uh, the Broncos. I was I'm saying, like, I've been seeing listening. more and more Deshaun pictures like in a Broncos uniform. Okay, he looks like, sick, okay. And I think if he goes there, he does what Tebow does and uh, goes more for the uh, navy blue uniform rather than the orange. Because to me, like, I like the orange. I just think the navy blue looks so much better for that style of uniform. That yeah, it's it's 2021. Teams change their uniforms every, like, two weeks, it seems yeah. like. Now. Those, <laughs> Literally. It's all about the money. It's all about the it money, is. those billion-dollar owners. But like, Look at the Jags. They they made the Teals their official um, jersey now instead yeah. of the black. So Yeah, and yeah, every sport seems like there's a new jersey out all the time. Especially but, NBA. Yeah, NBA Continue. for sure. No, I was going to say, but um, I guess getting into the QB predictions. So basically, long story short, we both have Trevor Lawrence at number one going to the Jaguars. There's no surprise there. I, I don't think there's anything like that, but uh, we're just going to kind of go through, I guess, each let's go through each quarterback. Cause we, we each have a quarterback. So I guess yep. Justin Fields, where do you have him and, and kind of why? This is going to be a surprise to some. I have him going number two overall to the jets. Um, okay. Do I think Zach Wilson is the better quarterback? Yes. But I believe Justin Fields is the more productive quarterback in terms of passing ability being able to run the one red flag I would have about Justin Fields is his pocket awareness. Um, But he has the arm strength, has the accuracy, has the ability to get out of the pocket, which is going to help that lack in pocket awareness has done more for Ohio state than what Zach Wilson has done for BYU. So to me, Justin Fields, I think breaks the mold of Ohio state quarterbacks, not doing well in the NFL, just similar to USC quarterbacks, not doing well in the NFL. Um, so I have Justin Fields going number two. I think a lot of people have him dropping a little bit lower since more film and more studies come out about Zach Wilson. But I just don't think he, he he's only he's a one year wonder, basically. Like he, he wasn't even mentioned last year, kind of like Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow broke records. Zach Wilson didn't. So that's why I think Justin Fields is going to go ahead of Zach Wilson in this, but it's not going to be my much. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about Zach Wilson later, but yeah. for you, where do you have uh, uh, Justine Fields? Justine Fields, yeah, I, I wrote it down wrong in our Google Doc. Uh, I have Fields uh, going, it's going to surprise a lot of people because I don't think Deshaun's going to the Panthers. I think there's going to be a three-way trade 
Dolphins, Panthers, Houston. It might not be a three-way trade, but they'll be two separate trades. Um, but I think the Panthers are going to trade up to number three. I think, cause I think Deshaun's going to Miami. So there's going to be Deshaun involved in that. And I think the Panthers will move up to number three. And I think they're going to take Justin Fields. I think he fits the Matt rule scheme very well. We were just talking about that with Watson. I see a lot of similarities in the two. Um, so I just, for that reason, think that Fields is going to go number three overall to the Panthers if they can make a trade up. Um, I think if there's some sort of Watson deal to the Dolphins, I don't know if Tua, if Tua, cause I think Tua will end up in Houston. So I don't think Houston's going to go over, go for a quarterback, at least that early, maybe in the later rounds, they might take someone to, to try and compete with Tua and just be, the, you know, have that competition. But I just, I, I see the Panthers trading up. And again, this is mock draft 1.0. I've never done a mock draft in my life. So um, we'll see what happens. Big steps for you, Jack. I yeah. love it. I love I've never, you. I've never, I've never done one. Usually it's like, I I know like the first five picks and then I'm kind of just like, who? Oh, okay. Like that guy went to Georgia. Cause being a Pats fan, you just, you don't really give a shit about the draft because Bill Belichick just trades all your first round picks. And then when he has one, he drafts Nikhil fucking Harry. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why I, I have fields to the Panthers. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny about mock drafts, not to get off topic, but last year, like all the analysts had Jonathan Taylor as a late first round pick and Clyde didn't go until the middle of the second round and they flipped where JT was middle second round and mm-hmm. Clyde was uh, at the end of the first. Yeah. And obviously you saw the production granted Clyde got hurt, but even his average wasn't as good as Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Um, so uh the, the this is the fun part about mock drafts is you make it what you want and no one gives shit about it like everyone's like oh that won't happen because you have no idea until draft day and even knows? if it's even if it's dead wrong like i only got five or six picks right in my mock draft last year and that was after all the rumors came out and we kind of knew where everyone was going yeah still only got five or six right like so it's fun. I love yeah. it. So no, I, I, I had a good time doing it. I actually yeah. had a really good time doing it. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, okay. And I started doing some research on some, like I'd heard of some guys, but um, mm-hmm. I had like seven tabs open at a time every time I was like looking at a team. So it was kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, so I'm happy we get to share this as your first mock draft. Yeah. This is really cool. Um, My mock draft virginity. Yes, sir. Love to take that from you. Uh, but speaking of Zach Wilson, uh, I'll roll in. I think he goes to the Texans third overall. This is how it happens. The Broncos um, trade up and swap picks with Miami. They move up from nine to three. Miami goes back to the ninth overall pick. They trade a good amount of picks for it to make it happen. So now Miami will have like seven picks in the first three rounds this year and then have six picks in the first three rounds next year. Um, so Miami is going to be really loaded. Um, but in order to get uh, in order to get Deshaun Watson from the Texans, the Broncos will trade uh, their first round pick, their second round pick this year, a first and a second next year, and Bradley Chubb as well to give Texans much needed pass rush help, especially with J.J. Watt wanting to leave. And in return, they get Deshaun Watson. They get their quarterback of the future, um, instant playoff team when that happens. But the Texans in return get good draft picks, and they take Zach Wilson with that third overall pick. Like I said, Zach Wilson's a good quarterback. I just don't think there's enough tape on him. He's very raw, but is a guy that has a, I think to me has a higher ceiling than Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that we're both in agreement that there's going to be like a trade at the number three pick mm-hmm. that Houston or that Miami's not going to use that pick and that no. there's going to be like at least another, like a third team involved. That's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. And they both involve the John Watson. Yes, they do. So, and they both involve Houston. Um, yep. Even though I think Houston's going to, 
I have it a little bit different, but that's, 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 that's an interesting pick. I think, I think that could definitely happen. Um, I have Zach Wilson going to, to the jets. I think he's just going to skyrocket up. The reason I have him ahead of Justin Fields is mostly just because of the productivity. I know Fields had a great game against Clemson in that, that semifinal game, but he wasn't very good. I mean, Alabama was destroying teams all year, but he wasn't very good in the big 10 championship game, almost lost to Michigan state. Uh, I know they were dealing with a lot of COVID issues and Justin Fields had a really great 20, 2019 season. So um, not to knock him too much, but just watching some film on Zach Wilson, he looks like he's very NFL ready. Uh, so I just have him going number two, but again, like I said, mock draft one point that could definitely change. I could just see him mm-hmm. in a Jets uniform. I think the Jets are definitely going to go after a quarterback. I don't see them trading that pick at this moment um, or drafting kind of in a different direction. I think if they do go in a different direction, they'll trade that number two pick for, for assets. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Love that take. Cool. So yeah, uh, that, Trey Lance. Yeah. Trey Lance. Um, I, I have another trade, uh, two trades within the first four picks. Um, four quarterbacks going in the first four picks, which when I saw a mock draft, obviously not similar to mine, but I saw someone else had four quarterbacks going in the first four picks. I was like, that's kind of dumb. But then I did my own research and I did my own thinking on it. I'm like, it's actually not that far fetched. Um, I think the Panthers trade up with the Falcons to the number four spot. I think they get antsy and I think the Panthers are much more dire need of a quarterback than the Falcons are. So I think the Falcons easily accept the trade and move back a couple spots to get a similar player to what they want um the panthers move up to the number four overall they give up some good compensation for it and they get trey lance there which is a very matt rule type player like you were saying um with justin fields um i just think trey lance fits more of that mold for the panthers and think about this offense trey lance a qb christian mccaffrey running back DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson back at receiver and then pick up a free agent tight end. Like that offense to me is scary. Yeah. Um, and Trey Lance is like Carson Wentz, an FCS quarterback that you that could do well in the NFL. And we've seen Carson Wentz did succeed. And Trey Lance, very similar build, very similar athleticism. And in all an argument is a better athlete than Carson Wentz, which fits Matt Rule's uh, offensive schematic. Um, so I think Trey Lance is a perfect fit for the Panthers. Not a playoff team yet. They need to rebuild that defense. But once that defense gets back to what it was back in 2015, this team is back into the fold of playoffs. Yeah, I think I think that's the Matt Rule kind of goal. I, I think they I think I know they gave him like an eight-year deal, which I think is pretty crazy yeah. to give an NFL coach a deal that long. But I think it shows that the Panthers are going to have patience with him. I think they're going to give him you know four or five years at least. I think if they're five years from now and they're at still at six and ten, I think that's another conversation they're going to have to have. But um, I like it. I think we both have the Panthers trading up to get quarterbacks um, mm-hmm. if they don't end up getting Deshaun Watson, which I don't know if they will. But um, so I have Trey Lance falling a little bit and that's nothing due to him. I think if the Falcons don't take him at four, and like I said, I already have the, I, I don't think Houston, if they make that trade, I think they're going to keep two and I think they'll, they'll wait to draft a quarterback. So I have him going at 12 to the 49ers. Uh, I just see that as kind of the best fit Trey Lance out of all these quarterbacks we're about to talk about is who I know the least about just because I'm not really watching too much. Fil- I don't watch too much film and I didn't watch any North Dakota state games, no <laughs> offense, but um, that's where he went, right? North Dakota yeah, state. Uh, North yeah. Dakota state. Okay. So yeah. I know that much at least. So I, I think it was just a good <laughs> fit. Just kind of reading, looking at other mock drafts, doing some research on it. I just, I see it could be a fit for him and Shanahan. It would be a kind of a nice project for Shanahan. Um, to work with him. I think you could still see the 49ers go out and try and sign maybe like a, 
a Fitzpatrick or um, someone along like one of those, a Brissett, someone like that to compete with him for that starting job. Um, but I think they're going to draft a quarterback this year and then try and build mm-hmm. from there um, with, with Shanahan. I, th- I think he'd like to work with a young quarterback and work with someone who's like, kind of his guy. Um, and I could see that definitely being Trey Lance. Yep, for sure. And I think he's, he's going to be a good fit for the 49ers with Shanahan. Um, if he does end up going there, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy G. They said they want to bring him back, but we've heard that before in the NFL. Yeah, and the, and the thing is too, just kind of looking at the middle picks. Like I said, the Falcons. I have the Falcons actually trading down, but that's another it's another story. But I mean, none of those middle teams, other than maybe that maybe Houston, if they trade Watson elsewhere and don't get a quarterback, or maybe Denver might try and take him. But I think Denver is going to try and do something in free, make a splash in free agency. Yep, for so. sure. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, next one, I guess we got, it's where we, we differ a little bit. Yeah. Mac Jones. Yeah. Um, I have him falling all the way to the 32nd overall pick to the bucks. And there's a lot of reasons for this one. I think teams between five, besides the 49ers and maybe the Cowboys, um, most teams aren't going to need a quarterback, um, at this point, or at least it's not their biggest yeah. need. I mean, Patriots, um, yeah, Patriots are up Probably there. Probably the biggest one, actually, out of all yeah. those teams. Yeah, so the Maybe Pats, the Bears. Yep. Um, I just think there's going to be better players on the board than Mac Jones at that moment when he is available. Um, I don't know what the Bears are going to do about a quarterback. Um, maybe some guys in free agency could go after Deshaun Watson, but they don't have the capital to do that or the cap space. Um, but Mac Jones to the Bucks to me, makes sense. One, because there's a lot of questions uh, revolving around Mac Jones's maturity, um, his leadership, uh, his antics on and off the field, the fact that he's always had a loaded, talented team surrounding him. So is that success because of him or is it because of the players around him? Um, Nick Saban, greatest college coach ever. Um, and also just the uh, his history of Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL. A.J. McCarron, we saw, did not do well transitioning to the NFL. There's been some guys that have been great in college and have not had any NFL career. Tua had a rough first year in the league, but I think is going to do uh, better. Jalen Hurts had a solid first year for as many games as he played. Hey, 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 hey. He went to Oklahoma at the end there. (laughs) At the end, but still started Alabama. (laughs) True, true. You can't knock that off. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's a to-be-determined kind of thing. Like, it's just kind of like what's going to happen. But I think the Bucs take him because Tom Brady's entering the final year of his contract. When it expires, he'll be pushing 35. I think you bring in Mac Jones, have him learn under Brady. And if you need to, re-sign Brady for one more extra year and extend him so this way Mac Jones can learn a little bit more. Then you have a quarterback who's not as mature, inexperienced, uh, had crazy talent around him, come into a team with a good defense, good receivers, great offensive line, learning from the best of all time. Um, so I think that's... Mac Jones would be a perfect fit for the Bucks. The reality that he falls that deep, I'm not sure. In yeah. my mock draft, he does fall that deep just because of needs some other teams have. But that's not to say a team could trade up a couple second-round picks, come into the fold, and snag him with the 20th overall pick or something like that. So yeah. it's it's a to-be-determined. You know? I was, was going to say, too, kind of going off that, you could even see like if, a, if the Jets move back or if – Houston, like they don't even have a first round pick. If they want to, they don't want to move all the way up to number three or number four, or number two, whatever they, you know, could give, you know, future picks for maybe a mid, mid to end first round pick mm-hmm. and try and pick up Mac Jones. 
Um, so that's definitely an interesting thought. And I, I like the fit. I don't, like I said, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if he'll slip that far, but that would be definitely an interesting fit yeah. for him or even Kyle Trask as well. Yeah. Um, even him. And even the Bucks could trade up. Like yeah. that's another reality. They have so many players and so much capital. Fuck it. Why not trade up yeah. and go get a replacement for Brady? Yeah. You know, not definitely. Um, I have Mac Jones going a little bit earlier. I have him going 17 to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, because I believe they do have the 17th overall pick, or did yep, I make that a trade? 17th, I already uh, forgot. But, oh, good. No, um, I, I so had a trade there. That's what I thought. So you had, uh, I knew the Titans didn't have the 17th pick, but um, I haven't gone to the Raiders because I've heard a lot about Marcus Mariota. Uh, probably won't be back there next year, mm-hmm. and then I just think John Gruden, kind of like Shanahan, he's an offensive-minded coach. I think he's going to want to try. I want to say like I keep saying a project, but I think he's going to want to try and like do something with somebody yeah, and, and try and build somebody, make them his guy. So I could definitely see like a Mac Jones. That's why I have him going to the Raiders. I don't know if that means, I know Derek Hart seems like for what the last like four years, pretty much since he had that almost MVP year, it seems like every year it's kind of like, Oh, like where's Derek Carr going to go? And it yeah. always, always ends up back. So I think he'd still end up back there, but I think Mac Jones kind of like you were saying could learn under Derek Carr, obviously not the same as learning under Tom Brady, but I think he could fit that system very well. I think if, you know, mm-hmm. I think he's more of an NFL starter or could be more of an NFL starter than Marcus Mariota, um, which w- is what we've seen. And again, just these offensive minded teams. And I think a team like the Raiders could definitely jump. I think Mac Jones definitely probably isn't worthy of the 17th pick. And that's no knock on him personally, but I don't think that's just, he's worth that. But I think with all, like you said, you had four quarterbacks going in the first four picks. I think teams are going to be a little bit more skeptical, not skeptical, but like eat, I'm trying to think of the wording, but like almost ready to pull trig on a quarterback and hesitant. Then in, yeah. yeah. And or I guess less hesitant, just less because hesitant. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I could see that happening. I could see the Raiders definitely picking up a guy like Mac Jones. Um, yeah. And I think he'll go a little bit earlier than Kyle Trask, but I could definitely see that flip flop. Yeah. And again, Derek Carr was the third best quarterback in the second half of the season. He played yeah. unbelievable down the stretch was one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. Um, had some mistakes early in the, in the season, which made it hard for him. But overall, I think that's a fine pick. Mac Jones go to the Raiders, yeah. maybe lights a fire under Derek's car ass. Then uh, they ship him off or something happens there. They get more trade value out of Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's fine. I, I think Mac Jones would be good with uh, John Gruden over there in Vegas. There's always, it always seems like last year with Jordan Love to the Packers, it always seems like there's one quarterback draft pick that everyone's kind of like, hmm, mm-hmm. like, yeah. What was this for? So I, I think that might be this year's pick. Yeah, it was Jones. Lamar Jackson back in. Lamar ja- yeah, Lamar. Is that 2018? 2018, that that? yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah. rookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. But yeah, let's roll into the last one. Uh, Kyle Trask, to be determined. I don't have him going in the first round. I think he's a mid-second round guy. Um, I'm not sure who would take him. Um Maybe the Pats coming around the second round, they get Kyle Trask who threw, tr- not Trask, uh, Trask who threw to Kyle Pitts who, sneak preview, I have Kyle Pitts falling all the way to the Pats some way, somehow. A whole lot of teams don't need tight ends, but he is. Yeah, look at you go. Yeah, me and Jack both have Kyle Pitts going to the Pats. But, um, yeah, but I think Kyle Trask does fall into the second round. Um, I'm not sure which team's going to get him. I haven't analyzed that deep yet, but – um, that will be something I'm doing in the future. Um, but again, to be determined, could be a Pats quarterback, could be a Bears quarterback. Who knows? So I have Trask going to the Washington football team. 
I okay. think they're definitely in need of a quarterback. I know we've talked in the past. We don't think they're going to go out and make a huge splash. Um, I know we all love Taylor Haneke, but you know, he hasn't proven too much other than that one playoff game. So I think they're going to go in a younger direction. Kind of same with Rivera. I know Rivera is more of a defensive coach, but I think they could definitely, I don't know if they'll do this in the first round. This is kind of more of a hunch pick, but I could definitely see it happening with, um, yeah. with Trask going to the football team. I think they're, I mean, that'd be five foot five, no six QBs in the first round. I could see it happening again, just mm-hmm. with teams kind of ready to, to pull trig on it. I think, I think Trask is a first rounder. I think he is a little bit better than Mac Jones. I think maybe in the future I could see it potentially flip-flopping like it may be a Trask to the Raiders and Mac Jones, maybe again, slipping to the bucks or something like that. Or even I know Pittsburgh, actually Pittsburgh was the other team I was thinking of too. Ben rumored to a quarterback just cause you know, big Ben isn't going to be around forever. So mm-hmm. um, something like that. But for, as of right now, I have him with Washington. Yeah, for sure. So, cool. well, Sweet man. That uh, uh yeah, that those are our quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Um let's talk a little bit about some late hits. Um sorry, I was distracted. I just got a tweet about Des Bryant. Uh, I'll just go real quick. Um Des Bryant tweeted tonight that he wants to play two more years, but it doesn't sound like it will be in Baltimore. Uh Des said he had good experience um and had good chemistry with Lamar Jackson. But guys who were there before him understood the offense better. So it just wasn't – he didn't really get up to speed and couldn't really figure out – not figure out what was going on, but obviously, like, just couldn't fit into the mold. So he still wants to play a good free agent option for some teams going forward. Um, so good late hit there. And then for the NFL, the franchise-slash-transition tag period opened today and will be open until March 15th. For those that don't know, basically a franchise tag is the average salary of the top five players, the position. Um, then you compare that relative to the remaining average salary of the rest of the players in the league, divvy it up between the two. And that's a franchise tag that's set for the, for that position. Um, transition tags a little bit different instead of the top five, it's the average of the top 10, then divvy that with the remaining contracts left in the NFL. Um so in 2020, 15 players were franchise tagged. I believe that was a league high hist- uh, league history high. I could be wrong about that, but just off the top of your head, what's one player do you think that's franchise tagged? I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Let me think. Oh, I think Dallas is going to be stupid, but I think Dak. Dak, yeah. I don't uh, think I think they should sign him long term, but I think they're going to me too franchise him. Yeah, I think that's going to end up what's going to happen. I think Dak wants more money than what the Cowboys want to give. Who knows? The Cowboys could give in and do that. Um, yeah. And uh, I know that's the easy, that's the easy answer, but that's just the first yeah. one I think of. Exactly. And I know there's, there's a lot of easy, um, easy answers. Like uh, what's his face. Um, Kenny Galladay is most likely going to get I, franchise tag. Yeah. That's like pretty much expected. Taylor Moden, who I had going to the Bengals, now it's coming to the fold that he will most likely be franchise tagged tomorrow. Um, so that'll happen. Allen Robinson's a name that's up there. Aaron Jones. Um, but someone I think will, David Andrews. I didn't know he's a free agent. Yeah. I think the Pats use a franchise tag on him. That's been, yeah. Oh, continue. Sorry. No, I was going to say, that's, just, that's kind of been the rumor out of New England too. I don't know why I didn't think of that one first. But <laughs> yeah. And I think for center salary, since the there's a lot better centers now than there were a couple of years ago, um, I think that they're going to get it at a bargain value uh, rather than signing him to a new center contract. Yeah, um, I can see that. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be a cool period. Um, I don't think we're going to see 15 like we did last year. But, again, yeah. 
who knows yeah. um and then yeah uh you want to end it off with some trivia i i actually before we get into trivia hit it next podcast episode 12 dropping on wednesday march 3rd you've seen the video you've heard us talk about it the get rod on the pod day will be wednesday march 3rd now we're gonna be having two episodes next week so how this campaign is going to work probably friday or saturday i'm going to drop another picture on the social media how this is going to work and i'll drop it again on wednesday so episode 12 you'll get a, it comes out every wednesday we've i don't know if anyone's noticed i don't know if anyone's up this early we drop every wednesday morning at 5 a.m so next wednesday you're going to wake up at 5 a.m or whenever the heck you wake up you're going to listen to this podcast you are going to and you don't have to listen to that day put a picture on your instagram story or twitter with the hashtag get rod on the pod you're going to put that picture on your story hashtag get rod on the pod and tag us tag our instagram or twitter whatever you are whatever platform you are using if you tweet this picture you are going to be entered into a winning to win a 25 dollars gift card to a fast food or coffee shop uh so either duncan or starbucks of your choice and Jordan, I, I want to go out on a limb. I think if we get more than a hundred participants, we can maybe have two gift cards. Yes, I would say out so. there. So if we get over a hundred people, we'll throw out two twenty-five dollar gift cards. It'll be a random raffle. I think the period. I think we should start it on Wednesday the third, uh, and I think we're going to end it because we're going to have two episodes next week. The next one will probably drop on Friday. We're going to end it Friday morning. So you'll have between Wednesday and Friday to use the hashtag. Uh, one entry per account. So if you are another podcast and you're listening to us and you want to use your personal Instagram, your personal Twitter, um, you can do it up to four times, I guess, then. Because if you use your, both podcast, Twitter, and Instagram, both your personal Twitter and Instagram, you are entered in for a winning. So you'll you do the picture, hashtag get right on the pod, and tag us. Those three things. And if you yeah. want to throw in a respect to specs, feel free to do that too. But that's yeah. not a requirement. <laughs> Yep. I would say putting in respect to specs would help us get Rod on yes. the pod. So if you want to do it more so to help get Rod on the pod rather than the actual giveaway itself, please do that. Um, and how about this? I'm, I just thought about this. Um, if we do one gift card, I will max the, the gift card donation and Jack and I will uh, pick a charity of our choice to donate $25 to. If we do the two gift card giveaway, I will match $50. I'll match that as well. Yep, out of uh, my own pocket same. to charity of choice. Um, and you can put you can DM us and say which charity we should be donating to. Um, and whatever we, we want to do this one to get right on the pot, obviously, but two, we want to help those in need who are not as fortunate as Jack and I are and some of our listeners are, um, to have the ability to have a platform, to have a podcast, and to just have a life and have a good life that we yes, have. Um, I agree so. with that. So if we get over, if we get under a hundred, we'll each donate 25. So a total of 50 and there'll be one $25 gift card. If we get over a hundred plus we'll do two $25 gift cards and we'll each donate $50 to a charity. Um, and maybe I can put a poll on the Twitter too, for like a specific charity. We can let the listeners pick where we're donating yep. our money to. I think that might be a, exactly. good, a good idea to get, get, get the listeners involved for the children, yep. for and, the kids. And honest, off a whim, the barstool fund would not be a bad idea. That'd be, yeah. I don't know. I, I did donate, I did donate money around there. So I think something along those lines, so we'll, we'll maybe put out four charities on the Twitter yep. um, and try and get that. And we'll market it, share it. Even if you don't, if you know people who don't listen to the podcast, win a $25 gift card, go into a good cause. So, yeah. Uh, definitely more to come on that. I mean, that's basically it. So hashtag get right on the pod, tag us, 
and post the picture on your story or on your Twitter. Um, yep, and hashtag respect the specs as well. Feel free to add that. Not a requirement, but if you want to add it, feel mm-hmm. free to add it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, trivia. What you got? All right. So th- this is going to be an easy question, but it's going to fill into the harder question. Okay. Who has scored the most points in an NBA game and how many points was it? All right. Wilt Chamberlain, 100. Cool. Awesome. Who was number two on that list? Again, easy, but who was it? How many points? Kobe, 81. Cool. Who is? I the- should let people who don't know the NBA oh, sorry. take a minute to think about it, but that's, that's fine. That, that's fine. Like those, <laughs> those, those are the two big numbers that most yeah. people know. Even, even me, someone I didn't really follow NBA, I knew those were the two highest mm-hmm. scoring games. Okay. Who has scored the third most games, uh, third, third most, most points. points in NBA history in a game, mm-hmm. and how many points was it? I think I know the answer to this. I'm going to let people think about it. Yep. We'll give you a couple seconds here. Um, it was, it was David Robinson. David Robinson. Okay. Of the Spurs. And how many points? 73. 73 points. Okay. I'm going to tell you you were wrong. Um, Wait, can I take a second guess? Yes. You can take a second guess. Wait, was the player wrong or the guess wrong? Uh, the wrong. player and the guess was wrong. Uh, the number was wrong also. But David Thompson scored what? 73, and now it's fourth all time. Okay. And he played yeah. for the Nuggets. Okay. Yeah. I, I know Devin Booker put up 70. Yeah, he put up 70. But it, but but no. it was like, yeah, against Celtics. But, uh, yeah, I don't – David Robinson. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It is Will Chamberlain again who put up 78 in three overtimes against the Lakers <laughs> when he, he was cheated. with the – the Philadelphia Warriors. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. All right. We were going over baseball earlier. I got some Mike Trout trivia. Oh, yikes. <laughs> so a 40 home run, 40 stolen base season is considered a very, very good season. It's a very rare accomplishment. I don't have the number of guys who have done that in front of me, but it's a very rare season. Mike Trout has never done it. How many 30-30 seasons has Mike Trout had in his career and we'll let the listeners take some time to think about it so 30 home runs 30 stolen bases in a single season how many times has he done that Hmm. what do you think jordan obviously 2020 is out yep so we're going from 2019 uh, 2012 to 2019 yep which is eight seasons if i'm doing my math correctly yep eight Eight full seasons yep i'm gonna say seven times one. One? In 2012, his rookie year, he had 30 homers and 49 stolen bases. Uh, 2013, he did have 33 steals, but only 27 homers. 2016, 29 homers, 30 steals, and then hit 39 homers and only 24 steals in 2018. So he's only had one 30-30 season. A lot of 2020s. Wow. but um, And then my next question. So I know Mookie Betts is number one in jersey sales for 2020. Uh, Aaron Judge was number two. Bryce Harper, number three. Where does Mike Trout land on that list? Is it top 10 or is it just however many? But yeah, like what ranking did he have on the, on the list? I have, I'll, I'll, and I'll give you for, for reference, I have the top 20 in front of me right now. The top 20, thank you. That's in what front I was of asking. Me. Yep, yep. That's I have the top asking. 20, so you know he's not one, two, or three. 17. Close. He was 14. Mm. Um, I was going to say actually, 12. Yeah, I actually 12. don't have, I thought I had the full list in front of me. I know Tatis was fourth. Uh, Kershaw was ninth. 
Uh, Freddie Freeman was number 10. I think Javi Baez was seven or eight. Acuna and uh, Soto were up there, five, six. I'm not too sure which order. But yeah, Mike Trout, who we think is the face of baseball, um, probably just because I think the Angels are kind of like in bait, like in basketball. There's the Clippers and the Lakers. The Lakers are like the team in LA. And the Clippers are like the little brothers. I think it's kind of the same in baseball. The Dodgers are the team and the Angels are just kind of there. Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah, cool. Anything else you got to add before we thank everybody and uh, before we get right on the pod? Yeah, I thank you guys again. Um, we're getting more and more DMs every single day, a lot more support. Um, I got a new mic. I don't know if you guys can tell any audio quality difference. It's the same one as Jack's. We're twinning. Um, so, yes, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you want to do podcast, uh, Blue Snowball Microphone, $50 at Best Buy. Um best podcast investment you'll make in your life um so hopefully it sounds better could sound exactly the same and i'm just in my head about it but uh yeah um feel free to keep giving us the support and the love you guys give us we're always trying to give back to you guys some way somehow most notably obviously the giveaways we're doing um and the charity work so yeah jack what do you got yeah no thank you everybody um if anyone hasn't seen yet we are on tiktok now um, so make sure to shoot us a follow. We've we've gotten a few videos. I know Jordan has some access now to it. So um, I actually, it's going to sound weird. I actually enjoy making those TikToks. I used it as therapy the other day after the Celtics blown lead. So I felt a little bit better after screaming at my TV. So, but seriously, everyone, thank you so much. I, I've gotten, like Jordan said, a lot of people have been reaching out to the podcast, Instagram, Twitter, um, getting a lot of positive feedback. So we really appreciate it. If there's anything we can do to help anybody out, anyone interested in hopping on the pod or has questions that they want us to answer, definitely let us know. We'd be more than happy because we are for the people. We are for the fans. Um, and we are going to get Rod on the pod. <laughs>